Good afternoon, uh, afternoon, everyone. I um, am so glad to see you here. I'm going to give the room uh, an opportunity to uh, kind of populate a little bit. I've, I've sent out some invites. I want you guys to um, feel free to request um, to come up and share and speak. You know how we do it here in Advocacy Arena. If you are uh, new, understand that, you know, we have some rules of etiquette and protocol that we go by, but we do like to have um, informed, uh, engaged conversations um, with folks in our community. And I'm so glad to see so many of you here today. I um, am not, I'm going to be hosting alone today, so I will need you guys to come up and um, join me in conversation because I'm not uh, here to uh, hear myself speak. I do have some information that I want to share, and I love sharing, but I really love conversating with you guys, so I'm so thankful that Allie has come up and Guys, please send uh, some warm healing thoughts to um, Soul Sister today. She is not feeling well. She's on the mend. Uh, so we're sending her healing vibes as well as LMZ. We're um, sending both of them healing vibes. And I'm so glad that you guys joined me. I know that at some point uh, today in the conversation, we will have someone that we're all familiar with who's going to be joining us, and that is Dr. Marshall. And um, I am going to uh, put a um, few things in the Jumbotron, and one of them is an interview that I, I did, actually. I just posted, but I did the interview back in March. And um, it is um, about her genealogy work and how... Um, it ties into history because, you know, she's also um, a history, uh, a historian as well. And she ties her own genealogy research, uh, in particular in this conversation, we talked about marriage and how that ties into, you know, the history of marriage in, in this country. And we know that recently we just celebrated um, Loving Day. I'm hoping to interview um, a couple of other members of our community regarding that. I hate that I let the day pass, but I still think that it's um, relevant, important conversation because the thing of it is, is that um, these things are, are trying, these rights and laws that many have come to just accept um, as givens are being threatened. So it's very important that we kind of understand the history and um, recognize the, the gains that we made and how important it is and how, um, you know, what was sacrificed for those gains and how important it is for us to protect the ones that we still have uh, and to prevent any more from being taken away. But I've spoken enough and I have two lovely speakers up here with me now that I'm looking forward to hearing from because um, I haven't really um, kept real engaged on the news, just the highlights. So I'm looking forward to any uh, news uh, that anyone has to bring to the conversation as well as, you know, our um, talk and celebration of Juneteenth. But I want to give um, G. Riri and Ali an opportunity to speak and then we'll delve into some of um, 
that conversation as well, because I have some great um, items to post in the Jumbotron on that and a little um, personal state um, history in that our Tennessee State Aristocratic Marching Band performed at the White House Juneteenth celebration, and they um, are also uh, a Grammy Award winning marching band and I I can't even keep up with where they're going and what they're doing now because it looks like they now have a um, display in the African American Museum so it's just a wonderful um, thing um, I feel for our um, our community at large because this is a um, basically an HBCU uh, it is also my mom's alma mater so um, it has a lot of personal um, connections for me too. But enough from me. So glad to have you guys here today. Jima Riri and then Allie and anyone else who would like to come up and uh, share with us, uh, please request the mic. Feel free to do so. And as I said, at some point in our conversation today, Dr. Marshall is going to join us and um, share a little bit. So I'm going to start putting things up in the Jumbotron as I pass the mic first to Jima Riri, then Allie, and then Joseph, who has come up. So um, again, thank you guys for being here and happy Juneteenth. Good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, Misty, thank you for the advocacy arena. Um, it was uh, it was a hard weekend for me. Um, Juneteenth is absolutely beautiful. There were some really beautiful celebrations. Unfortunately, there was a mass shooting very close to where I live. Um, it, I very sad. It was in Willowbrook, Illinois, not very far from me, next town over. Um, and this is a celebration, by the way, that has taken, um, it's been the past two years that um, young black people were allowed to go to a strip mall there and celebrate Juneteenth. It has been nothing but beautiful the past couple of years until this year. There unfortunately was a mass shooting at 1230 a.m. There were more than 20 people shot. I know someone lost their life and there are two in critical condition. Um, we haven't gotten a lot of updates. Um, it is still under investigation. Um, but to see how beautiful it was, because there were videos posted much earlier before this of what a beautiful celebration this was. And um, we already had the, the racist idiots um, who have been put in their place um, talking a bunch of garbage that didn't even make sense. Um, these people who own those businesses in the strip mall have allowed this celebration, and it's always been phenomenal. We have no idea who the shooter or shooters may have been, but we do know it was a, a gun of mass destruction that sprayed bullets and hit over 20 people. Uh, <clears throat> my love, my energy, healing, and strength has been with them this weekend. Um, I will not let it change that Juneteenth is a beautiful day of freedom for every single Black American. It is their day of independence. Um, I feel honored to even be a part of it, to be able to support it. It's not for me. It's not about me. It's about Black Americans in America when they actually were told, you're not a slave anymore. And since then, you still have been fighting to be free and equal, just like me. 
And so I would just like to ask for some support, healing, love, energy from all of you guys for those young victims um, that this happened to. It shouldn't have happened. And I don't want it to take away from the beautiful celebrations that are still happening. And today, uh, I'm glad it's a federal holiday and people are getting to enjoy this day. And again, thank you to Biden-Harris administration for making that happen. I want to sit back now and listen and learn. And he just wanted to share with you guys about that tragedy. Thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing uh, that, Jima Riri. I'm, uh, I, I knew that you were in that area. I didn't realize that it was um, so close to you. And it is um, such a tragedy that something that um, is meant to be a, a warm, um, you know, jubilant uh, time of uh, remembrance, celebration, and appreciation turns to this. But unfortunately, every day in this country, and in fact, sometimes multiple days, um, somewhere um, people are dying by gun violence. And um, it is the guns. And until um, we actually make some laws and legislation to address it, it's going to keep happening. But unfortunately, in a lot of these states like mine, the, um, the gun lobbyists um, are, are winning and um, they are actually um, succeeding in getting um, more uh, lax um, gun laws. And we just, we can't have it. I, I don't know anymore. It's like, how many more people have to die? How many more shootings? How many you know, more places, because we've already discovered there is no place you can go in this country. You can't go into your church. You can't go grocery shopping. You can't be in the park. You, you I mean, you can't be driving. You just, just living and breathing um, in this country, uh, just trying to um, enjoy that pursuit of happiness is um, dangerous. For many of us, and it doesn't have to be that way. But um, thank you for coming and sharing with us, and we will certainly keep um, that community in our prayers and um, see if we can help to amplify messages that may help, um, you know, address um, the gun violence issue uh, there, like as it is all over this country. But again, I'm so happy you you joined us today, and um, it is a a wonderful day for us to remember um, what happened. And I, I put some things up in the Jumbotron um, about it. And um, like I said, we'll, we'll just keep diving into it. There was a great thread done uh, by the African and Black history because, you know, um, I remember Roland Martin had someone on and they were giving like the facts really of it. Like that is really not the um, last area of Texas where the slaves were free because there were still people in um, two states. I think it was maybe Kentucky and Delaware where it had not been ratified after, you know, um, the people in Texas had been observed. So, um, you know, and sometimes people like to argue about it. It is important, you know, that we celebrate <laughs> that that moment, um, but it's just um, having a total understanding and grasp um, that it really, you know, technically 
there were still people enslaved. And it just, I think, further highlights the fact of um, what we've had to endure and um, how even, um, you know, that freedom is always perched on um and people being made to be aware of it and being allowed to enjoy it, depending on where you are. And so a lot of things haven't changed, actually. So, again, thank you guys for being here. Soul Sister is not feeling well today, so I'm hosting alone. And I am um, expecting Dr. Marshall to come in and share with us a little bit um, today on history, because we are going to cover some things uh, on uh, loving. I did her interview and um, that uh, actually passed. I think I can't even remember the day now. My brain's a little uh, foggy, (laughs) Uh, allergies and such. But um, Allie, thank you for being here. And I'm just going to turn the mic over to you and look forward to having you share with us today. And I see you down there, Shauna. Hey, how are you? I'm glad you're off today. Um, So Allie, um, what's going on? Hi, you guys. And I do see Dr. Marshall is down in the listening section. She's made it back with us. That is so beautiful. Yes, it's been a ride. And she'll come up when when she's when she's ready. Ready. Yes. But yeah, her account was cloned. And then uh, bless her heart. She was froze out as the real person and had to wait until um, Twitter kind of brought her back. And there was a little misunderstanding because she when they were giving her the opportunity to come back she didn't realize it was for her same account she ended up creating a slightly different account and we're still kind of tweaking that and and that new account which was legit uh which twitter had given her was almost about to be shut down because people were so protective of her they jumped on it when they saw it and started <laughs> reporting it i'm like oh no 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 yeah. that's her <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But it's lovely to be with you all in community. And I, I just wanted to say happy Juneteenth. Um, I'm so glad it is now a federal holiday. When I left the United States, it wasn't. And now it is. And I'm so glad that you're having today. And um, and I'm not going to take up much time. I don't think this is a time for, for white folk to take up the space. This is a beautiful holiday to be, or a specific specific holiday that needs to be taken um, count of. And I just wanted to say much love to all of you. And um, I'm really looking forward to the space today. Thanks for having me, Abdi. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming and and sharing, Allie. And, uh, you know, I do think it's important for us all to have conversations and understanding um, about the holiday. And of course, there are some things that some of us can speak uh, um, more in depth about um, than others. But I think it's important for all Americans to um, understand it for the world, because our history, um, as we speak, is being um, um, taken away and um, uh, trying to be uh, rewritten, whitewashed, uh, or totally eliminated. It's very important that we plant these seeds so that they they never die, plant our flags so that um, we can counter the false narratives because this is a um, activity that has been uh, happening for quite some time. You know, I've talked about the UDC and their effort to rewrite, um, you know, 
the lost cause, you know, uh, to make it a, a good thing. And it, it's never changed. This is what um, people do oftentimes in the name of hate, bigotry, and uh, so many other things, um, but they won't call it that, but that is what it is. So um, again, thank you for being here. And we have Joseph who's come up and I am so thankful to hear from him and hope you're having a good day. And um, you have the mic. <laughs> Hello, Miss D. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good, good. And happy Juneteenth to everyone. Uh, it is indeed a, uh, a beautiful day. Uh, just kind of wanted to talk just a little bit about, um, I guess, my, in a way, this kind of need to learn more about Juneteenth. I first heard about it. I read about it in a social studies book. I want to say I was in eighth grade and it was in a section about Texas, um, but it wasn't specifically taught to us. I just happened to read about it. And so for years, I thought it was just specific to Texas. And when I was in high school, and took American history. And of course, we, we studied about the Civil War and the end of slavery, you know, quite in depth. I was looking back on it. I, I don't understand why we weren't taught about the importance of, of Juneteenth. And it wasn't until a few years ago when there really the, you know, national conversation started about it. And I started learning about it more from from people that I was following, you know, here on Twitter. And so I was kind of like, I felt like I was shortchanged in school because I'm like, okay, this is something that everybody needs to learn about because it is an important day. And um, I feel that like right now, the message of it is probably more important than ever um, because those of us who are in, you know, marginalized communities, we all need to lean upon each other now more than ever. And um, I, I think, and we've sort of talked about it, that there's been an effort on the timeline to really divide a lot of us. And I, I am so glad, Joseph, I, I, I have to stick a pin in that, yeah. uh, but keep talking because I'm so glad that you said that. Okay, good, good. Yeah, because um, I, I, I've just been seeing it and I think, you know, the message of Juneteenth really, I think is now important more than ever. And uh, so um, I, I think there needs to be a concerted effort to teach uh, all of us who are not black the importance of the date and really the significance of it and the historical roots because again I feel like I was shortchanged in school like I had like I said I had read about it but I was never really taught about it and again for years I was under the mistaken impression that it was just specific to Texas and not a broader celebration um, so that's all I really had to say ab about that. I, again, I don't want to take up too much time today because I feel like it's important for a lot of us to just sit back and learn and listen about Juneteenth. Uh, but thank you so much, Ms. D, as always, for, for giving me an opportunity to, uh, to speak in your spaces. And thank you for, for all that you do. So I will uh, sit back and I'll uh, listen to everybody else. 
Well, thank you. And again, I, I appreciate you guys saying that. And as I said, this is kind of a collaborative um, space. It, it always is. I mean, I often have people who are kind of experts, I guess you could say, or that I've chosen to speak on specific topics, but I always like to keep it open because I feel like um, we have uh, an opportunity to learn and share from one another. It's not, uh, as I said, this, you know, there are some people whose profession it is to teach. Um, that is not my profession and that is not really, I, I do hope that people learn, but I am more about informing and inspiring and not holding, you know, like, um, a uh, class because I think, again, my ultimate goal is to have people to become more civically engaged. And I base that effective engagement as being informed. So that's always the, the purpose of, you know, my spaces and, and conversations that I try to facilitate. And I don't ever want anyone's voice to feel as though it doesn't matter. Because even if you don't know, I mean, like saying you don't know, or that you want to understand or asking a question is an important part of that conversation. Conversation. So I appreciate you guys saying that, but I just want you to know that um, your voices matter, you know, the, the knowledge that you have and that you're seeking, you know, the understanding that you're seeking is all very important. And the thing that I said about sticking a pen in it, um, you were talking about how a lot of the activity here on Twitter is uh, seeking to divide. And I was having a conversation with someone about that earlier. And it, it's a conversation I go back to again and again um, about the importance of coalition building. Yes, um, Black uh, people, Black women in particular, um, are the heart of the Democratic Party. But our votes alone don't win you know, the, you know, the races, we need other people, we need um, to build coalitions, we need bridges, and we need to bring people along, we need to call them in uh, to the work that we're doing. I know that a lot of people may have strong feelings, and you know, it's okay. Uh, we don't all have to agree, we can agree to disagree on certain things. But Matt Al is someone who I do enjoy. I think she's very um, informative because she is a teacher. And so she approaches the news um, in, from that standpoint. And I happen to like it. She also is doing some other things. And she started a, another podcast um, series that she's doing called um, Deja News. And I really like it. There's only one episode out now. And Allie, you can appreciate this. I don't know why you dropped down to listener, uh, but um, if you want to come back up. But she talked about uh, the period in um, France when um, they had a an extreme right wing takeover. And it was just before uh, World War um, Two, And that uh, when uh, Hitler... Um, came in and took over. It was those people that he um, gave the power to. And it was only in the coalition building of many different sects who didn't agree on a lot of stuff, but they did agree that they wanted a democracy and they had to come together um, to fight to regain um, that, that 
democracy, you know, and it is an experiment and uh, it is something that we constantly have to work on. And we want a democracy for all of us, not just for ourselves. So it's important that we, as I said, have coalitions and, and build um, bridges of understanding, even with people that we don't agree, because I think that we can all agree that um, we're all better off when we're living in a healthy thriving democracy. And I feel like um, uh, observing Juneteenth, understanding it, uh, the implications of it um, then and now is very important. So again, thank you again for being here. And Allie has come back up. Shauna, I know you're uh, next in queue, but uh, because I kind of called Allie in, I'm going to um, let her speak on um, that, then Shauna, then Mark. And I'm so glad that he's here. And again, like I said, this is not just totally Juneteenth, because that's the important thing. Like, I recognize that, you know, we're living in a democracy, a democracy that's on shaky territory right now. So we need to understand that, um, you know, like there are a lot of things going on, Trump's indictment or indictments and and um, just uh, we have races in my state and in other states. We have to have our head on a swivel. We have to celebrate. We have to continue to work. We have to be giving people the side eye. We have to be fighting and and we have to be everywhere all at once because that's where our democracy is um, being undermined. And, you know, like all of us can't be in all the same places, but it's important that we all understand the goal, the mission, you know, to save our democracy. So, Allie, what did, uh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Just real quick. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that what you said, Dee, is so important because all of these um, countries, especially the ones that were our allies during World War II fighting against fascism are just totally shaking their heads and do not understand, you know, what's going on inside the United States right now. They don't understand the religiosity. They don't understand the worship of guns. Um they don't understand, you know, a variety of things. And yet the racism and the, you know, the, the different things that the United States is much based on come from European roots. So that doesn't get acknowledged half as much, you know, or one tiny bit as much. It's much easier for people to look overseas and say, hey, look at what those Americans are doing. When where did it come from? Hello, Europe. So I spend a lot of my time having these conversations with people here, um, reminding folks gently of, you know, where those European settlers came who managed to control the legal system at the beginning after slaughtering other people and then going on to commit horrendous crimes. So, um, but anyway, yeah, people are watching, they're watching, you know, they're trying to follow what is happening with the, uh, the former guy and, uh, all of these are important times that we're living through and the whole world is watching and people really do wish us well in terms of us all coming together in terms of democracy. So I often re remind people that the majority of Americans are for gun control. The majority of Americans it remind them that Biden and Harris were elected that Clinton won the popular vote, the vestiges we have of what the way the Constitution was written do not necessarily reflect the reality of what our life is today and that we'll, we'll be working on that. The violence, the guns, uh, to live in places where those things have been um, outlawed completely, where civilians do not have guns, is just a totally different reality. And I've met, as I've mentioned before, I just want to remind people that 
when just having worked on uh, part of my background is working on stuff that's related to terrorism. And the thing to remember with suicide bombers, for example, is they, they choose first that they're going to die and then they're going to take people with them. Suicides come in clusters, as, as we've talked about before with Khalil. So when you see shootings happen, they may tend to come in clusters. And it, gets, it, it feels very shocky when you see it happening around you and when it comes very close. But remember that that's how they tend to occur. And then they tend to calm down. Um, but any terrorist act is basically starting from a suicide wish and those tend to come in clusters they do resolve they res they tend to calm down but so I, I just want to tell you much much love to all of you people are with the united states they're hoping that we get through our stuff and knowing that we have so much to work on and other places as well but much love to all of you thanks for letting me come back up dean i'll shut up now thank you thank you ali i appreciate that and i think it's important uh, because you are a voting American, but you have uh, spent a few decades in Europe, and it is always important for us to have larger perspectives um, on, um, you know, things that are going on and, and our democracy and, and history, which is a larger um, perspective. So I appreciate you coming in um, to share those perspectives with us. So thank you so very much. I appreciate it. And I hope uh, you're having a beautiful day there in Paris. It's raining here in Tennessee, but um, I'm kind of glad um, we need these flowers watered and we need the temps to come down. So <laughs> um, thank you for being here. And I think we got up next. Uh, so glad Shauna has come up, then Mark, and then Renee. Some of my beautiful voices haven't heard in a in a minute. And I always love hearing from you guys. So thank you for being here today. Shauna, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for the space and happy Juneteenth, everybody. Um, I just, uh, when I, uh, when I was uh, coming up, my small town um, actually had a Juneteenth parade every year. And I actually have a unique perspective into Juneteenth because my dad uh, grew up in Galveston. So um, I, I knew what it was, but um, living here in Texas now, um, they, they do, uh, they do celebrate it and honor it here, but I'm so happy that the president made it, you know, a federal holiday. And, and so I've seen a lot of vitriol on the stupid app, you know, about it. And I'm even, even with all that's going on in the way that this app has been since um, new people have taken over. Um, I'm more hopeful than ever. Um, we have so much information now at our fingertips that, you know, we um, didn't have a prior. And I'm just, I, I love this community and this collective so much. And I just, I can't, um, I can't help but be hopeful uh, for the future. And we just have so much information. And we just, um, we have a very long 17 months ahead of us. But I don't think there's anything we can't accomplish if we don't uh, work together. So kind of speaking to what Joseph and uh, Misty were saying about coalition building, um, it does take all of us and it's, it's going to be a crazy ride the next year and a half, but um, I wouldn't rather do it with anyone else but you guys. So I'm just thankful uh, for everyone in here and uh, just keep up the good work. It just, it gets tiring and exhausting and we're not always going to agree on everything, but um, I think everyone agrees that uh, uh, democracy is the the, uh, 
uh, the bottom line. So I just uh, appreciate the space and happy Juneteenth, y'all. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Shauna. And I, I, I love that you are able to have that unique perspective um, with your dad having, you know, um, been born there and, and grown up there because I have to say that having grown up in Tennessee and being taught, um, you know, the curriculum that you know, I'm sure was uh, residual leftovers from the UDC, um, I was not aware of Juneteenth until I um, was um, in my late teens. And it was really more from not school, but teachers, you know, like church uh, Sunday school teachers who had been teachers in um, the black school before it was desegregated uh, because that was the time in which I grew up in. And um, so I, I still, I knew what it was, but I didn't really know that it was like a huge celebration um, in, in that area of Texas. And I like, like you, I am happy that now it is a nationally recognized holiday. And um, just for us to keep learning and understanding more um, about it, um, and about our history at large, just like, you know, Black History Month, you know, it's Black History uh, 365. So, you know, um, it's just good that uh, we can have one day where everybody can recognize it, no matter what their feelings are, whether they like it or not. But it's kind of like planting that flag or that seed um, for it not to be disappeared and to continue. So thank you so much for being here. And I hope Thanks, you yeah. have a wonderful day. And um, like I said, looking forward to us continuing to work together. Uh, we have a long 17 months ahead of us. We have to kind of um, be aware of all of the, the, the arenas that we're going to be needing to fight um, in and, and pace ourselves. Uh, the work is, is long. Um, the struggle is long. So I just thank you for being a wonderful asset to this community and doing the work uh, when and where it's needed. So thank you so much. And up next, we have uh, Mark. And I am so happy to have you here today. Are you off or are you just taking a break from work to join us? <laughs> Ah, hello, D in the advocacy arena. I am off and I am, I want to take two days off, really. Oh, like congratulations. Forward. Well, happy Juneteenth. Oh, and I'm glad you're spending a little of your uh, off time, you know, uh, with us. Well, it's it's off. And like I do, even on my off days, I send a couple emails out. But like, I'm off and I take my birthday off too. And also on the King Day. So it's three days I take off. Um, but today, today is like one of my favorite holidays. Um, all of my favorite, uh, times gathering with my family and from Louisiana and Texas, especially my text. My daddy was born in Texas. My daddy, my daddy was born in Texas. Um, and my mother's family was born in, uh, well, they were born in Louisiana, but they, they made their way to Texas before they went to, um, went to California. So a lot of my uncles and aunts were born in, in uh, Houston, Texas. That's not, you know, close to Galveston, but it's pretty close. Um, but it, it is a, you know, it originated down in Texas because they were the last to hear about uh, being free. Um, as far as the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863, it took two years for that word to get down by General Order Number 3 to get put on that church down there in Galveston, Texas, that 
black people were indeed free. And, and so I, um, I reject the idea that everybody can't celebrate this as an American. Um, I think it's, it's been an American holiday since my family celebrated it as an American holiday as black Americans. Black history is American history. Thank um, you. And, <laughs> and, and a lot of the rights that we have today that, are, that all people, whether you're black, white, as Prince would say, Puerto Rican, everybody just a freaking, um, and, and, you know, LGBTQ, you know, all everybody, all the rights that we have today come from the fight, the original fight for America to live the true meaning of its creed that all people, all of its persons, well, it's all men back then, but it's, I'm going to say it, right now it's all persons are created equal in the eye of the creator and that we are a country that stands by that principle that we're all equal, not just equal in person, but we're equal under the law. And it is the fight that happened this long ago that the the uh, then president, Abraham Lincoln, would rather say, hey, I need to free black people than lose the, the whole republic. It wasn't it, it wasn't that he was against slavery or for it. It was like, what's going to keep the country together? And even today. What keeps the country together is the rule of law and the idea that no matter who you are, the law is supposed to apply to you equally. So in that vein, with that history in mind, um, I love Juneteenth and I think it's like one of the most important holidays. And I'm glad in 2021 that um, um, President Biden and Vice President Harris enacted it as a national holiday because I think it's one of the most important. Uh, it's one of the most important positional holidays in our country's history because an inflection it was the, point. It, yes, it it was a. It, I was about to say pivot, but D, you said it better than me. Um, you said an inflection point. I, I I'll adopt that language. It was an inflection point in the country's history that said, "No, slavery is really free. I mean, slavery is really over. We're done with it. Like we're not going back." Uh, it was a pivot point. And from there, we got the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which uh, had to solidify uh, those freed people, everybody across the country, um, as equal citizens under the law. And from there, from 1875 on to, uh, all the way through 1954, 1964, 1964, 1965, there's a, still a ways to go, as there was back then, in order to create a what? A more perfect union. The, the goal is to create a perfect union where people are free from governmental tyranny and also from tyranny from other people. The, the, gov the federal government is going to protect us from being terrorized by other people, other countries, and, and, and the federal government itself, right? No law is going to be made to make you feel like you're not equal that you're not the same, you don't have to enjoy the same life, the same right, the same liberty as anyone else. So that is why, to me, that Juneteenth is, is a very important holiday. And it's, you know, and I, I was in a couple arguments today about Cinco de Mayo and whether it's celebrated like Cinco de Mayo. And, and, you, know, and you know, Cinco de Mayo was a celebration of a battle uh, that Mexico won under, uh, over, over France. It's a different kind of holiday. And like, you know, hey, man, it, I, it all, more power to people that celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Juneteenth is more of a cultural celebration um, of black 
American experience. Histor- and historical, um, you know. For, to- and, and historical. And historical. It, it is the opportunity for everybody that says this is the Black holiday. It is an opportunity to learn about Black culture. It's an opportunity to learn about, you know, our, our, our role in the history and the makeup of this country. Um, it's an open art. My grandmother used to love when we bring guests that weren't, weren't like, you know, to bring our friends from high school and from elementary school to, to uh, enjoy the celebration with us because she would talk about growing up in Houston and, and talk about, you know, what it was like in America. We don't get those stories, the stories of America. We don't get those anymore, which is part of the problem. Uh, part of the problem with America is we don't get American stories anymore about growing up in the South, about growing up and what they had to face. Because if you got those stories, then I think we treat each other a lot better now, especially now, because we're more educated than we've ever been as a populace. We, if we got those stories, we'd be better off now. And like the people that were able to tell those stories, they're either not here anymore or they're not going to be here, uh, you know, unfortunately, and they're not going to be here very, you know, too much longer. So storytelling especially from black culture, right? It wasn't because we couldn't read for a couple hundred years, 240 to be exact, when we were here. They forbid us from reading and learning and actually having wedding ceremonies. When, when you talk about um, weddings in, in black culture, uh, some people might go to a wedding, you might have seen somebody jump the broom and you might go like, oh my God, I didn't know black people did that. Well, there's a reason why they did that is because it was to hide the fact that the, the two people we're getting married. They jumped the broom, which was like saying you're you're vows. That's how like you know black people had their role under slavery, um, because of all the you know all the uh, consequences um, and everything that they faced back then. So that, this is where a lot of American American uh, black American culture comes from. But like my, my argument, my argument to black to America is that, and my premise is that black black American history is American history. It's a part of the tapestry. You can't deny it. You can't deny it's a part. It doesn't mean that it doesn't belong to us. It is our history here. It doesn't mean that it's, but it also doesn't mean that you can't celebrate it too. I want people to celebrate it and learn something they didn't, they never knew before about the Black American experience on June. Absolutely. That's so beautifully said, Mark. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I'm going to wrap up with like, you know, uh, what's happened lately with our um, with our former uh, president of the United States. So what has happened lately, and I don't want to diminish anything I've said because I think Juneteenth is so important for our, us to keep on discussing and actually have an important dialogue. Um, there's an article that came out about uh, Merrick Garland. I think Renee is going to talk about that more. I think she, you know, she should uh, because, uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of discourse about whether Merrick Garland is an effective attorney general. Um, and, you know, I've talked about how, you know, I've talked about it here. Like, I wish he was going faster. And people said, wish he's going faster. And, and other people have said he's cautious and everything like that. I'm, I'm going to let Renee talk about that. I want to talk about the protective order that you, uh, you you talked to me about on Thursday that was filed. That was actually entered as an order today. Um, so the irony of it, I, I posted something about it amidst my Tory Lanez argument and amidst my Juneteenth arguments today about somebody's really arguing with me about, like, you know, whether it all Americans can celebrate Juneteenth. I think it's absurd, uh, but you know, everybody has opinions, and like that's that's hey, that's so. Like, do only have. Irish people get to celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day? I mean, how uh, absurd! Uh, uh, apparently, because I'm, you know, I mean, I, I I happen to be, you know, part Irish too. That's where the that's where the Guillory dude came from. 
Um, but the slave owner was from Ireland. French Mine were so, Welsh. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. That's, I mean, that's part of the, that's, like I said, I call it a tapestry. Um, but um, it, the irony of the order today is that Trump can't take or keep or maintain or retain or even see the documents, the evidence that's being used against him without the supervision of his attorney and only at his attorney's office. There's only one. He, he has to go to the office to even look at the stuff that are, is going to be used against him. So the irony of a former president who's saying presidential act, but her emails, but Kinks, but Biden can't even look at the evidence that is classified information under this protective order, which his team didn't even oppose uh, because it's so it, it's so critical that um, it, it, it's so uh, it's still active classified information. And so any defense that he's making that is my stuff is like, is ruled absurd by the protective word. He can't even see the, his so-called my stuff, which are arguments he's not making in court. These are not, these are, these are like, he's blustering these arguments like the wind today. Uh, if you're in the South, it's like there's thunderstorms all over the Southern belts. So like if, if, if people are like, you know, their emails are going out and, there's a, and, and by the way, God bless and praying for all the people who have lost power in the South. I, I know there's a lot. Um, there's thunderstorms over me right now, but going over Mississippi, probably you in Tennessee, D, uh, Texas, uh, Sean, you know, there's a bunch of thunderstorms that are going over. So God bless all those people that are in this. Yes. Heat. And I'm not and laughing have- about, you know, people, you know, experiencing, you know, bad weather or power outages, but just Mark's description of, um, the, the guy filled with hot air. <laughs> so. And, and, um, and as I close out, I'm going to say that this case, I, I, I think you see a shift in the Republicans. Um, you saw a shift this weekend. I think you'll continue to see more shift. This guy is going to start losing a lot. And he's going to be stuck with that 30% MAGA, right? That 30% MAGA that will never go. There's always been a 30% Republican MAGA kind of base down there. Um, he's not going to gain any more ground. Now, while we cannot rest on our laurels and just think that 2024 is going to be great, um, we are in a good position as, as Democrats and, and freedom-loving people and people that love the rule of law in our Democratic Republic to move forward. We got to stay motivated, um, stay voting. Uh, and also, like, and here's the thing. Here's the last thing I like to want to say, because Juneteenth is really too important. Um, it's, a, it's another time to, to really appreciate the idea that somebody was looking out for us, man. Somebody, some, if you don't believe in God, I believe in God. How was this country, I always ask this question. How was this country created the way it was and went the way it went? But somehow these dudes that were actually engaged in the, in the evil, I think that chattel slavery was. American chattel slavery was nothing like other slaves in the rest of the world. Chattel slavery was something totally different. There's a bunch of books about it be happy to have that debate with anybody because I'm well versed in it. But chattel slavery was something so evil because it was property driven. Right? I mean, Africans didn't treat like the slaves as property. They were people slaves. And, that, and, and there's a difference between that. Look it up. Um, but it was so bad. But the country, these people wrote these words. Even the slaves wrote these words that are now 200 years later or 260 years later they're the words of the, the bedrock and backbone of our society and what we're fighting for right now at 1249 Central Time 
on June 19th, which relates to June 19th. 1865, right? Which relates to 1870 when the when the 14th Amendment was passed, and I and, and like and, and which relates to what happened right after 1865 on June 19th. There was a bunch of there was like black people were elected to federal office. Black people were owning property. Black people had their own neighborhood and businesses. It wasn't just like mayhem. It was like organization. It was like okay, people were hired, right? And there and were a lot of what... uh, lawmakers and um, black lawmakers um, in, in some states, um, you know, a, they were uh, constituted a majority. And then we had the and white it, lash. <laughs> and, then, well, and, then, and then white supremacy stopped it because of white supremacy only, which is, and, and racism, which is a social, it's a construct that puts lighter skin on top of darker skin in any way, shape, and form. So as we think about Juneteenth, as we think about racial equity and, and the continuous fight for it, and we're not done yet at all. We're not even halfway there, I think. We're, we still have a long ways to go. Um, but when we think about our rule of law, let's appreciate the sacrifices that those who fought for this, because there are people in Abraham Lincoln's ear like, ear like Frederick Douglass, as flawed as he was. He was flawed too. He was in Abraham Lincoln's ear. People down in Texas ain't free. And we know that the Emancipation Proclamation was not exhaustive. It was only limited to the Confederate States. Just, just on the 1863 edict, or edict, if you will, everybody wasn't free. So, you know, it's important to acknowledge the significance of the Black experience in America, the progress that we've made, and the work that we have to go especially as we hang on to the rule of law and adhere to the idea that no one's above it and this president needs to be prosecuted to the fullest, fullest extent of it and held accountable. Uh, because if him or anybody like him wins, we, we're going to lose a bit of America. So um, hopefully that was a good input. It wasn't like straight on law, but you know, I think the reason why it's important to me is because I think it's the foundation of everything I believe in law. It was an excellent input, as they always are, Mark. And I know that this is an area of passion for you. And I love that it is uh, because we are a country of law. And, you know, the Republicans like to say we are a country of uh, a rule of law. But, you know, it's only when they're in charge of the rules and, and the law. Uh, because they will change it, subvert it, and do everything they can to make it work in their favor. And that is not, you know, um, a healthy democracy. And we know, like you said, that that this guy is is blustering. He he has no defense. Even the people that are out defending him, they're not. Um, they're trying to both sides it. They're trying to really. Um, change the narrative and uh, like, what about Joe? What about uh, Hillary? What about this? What about that? What they're not talking about is that what he did is indefensible. So they can't defend it. They're not defending it. What they're doing is trying to change the narrative to get uh, the law to be applied differently to what they know that he did. And he knows that he did it. And he has been able to slip through with, um, you know, his um, slimy techniques of delay and delay and delay. But, you know, uh, eventually, you know, 
every dog has their day and it's going to catch up with them. And he, his tail is in the trap. You know, he, he, he's, he's not totally caught, but he knows it. He feels it. And for someone like him, it is when he's most dangerous. And we need to be aware of that because, you know, he is uh, really good at his uh, stochastic terrorism um, where, you know, he's not going to go out and do anything, but he knows the language to activate those who are, um, you know, inclined to do that. So again, we all know it's been how we've lived our life as black people in this country to be, to, to live and exist and have to keep our head on a swivel to stay alive and to stay safe. And it really hasn't changed. I mean, some of the threats and the actual um, issues that we may um, have to you know, be afraid of encountering uh, may have changed, but the fact that we know that we're encountering danger uh, just in our very existence, going about our business, trying to work and live, has not changed. And, and we are um, the foundation of this country. We built this country, and like you said, Mark, there is no other you know, um, country that has used, you know, chattel slavery is unique to this country, okay? And the fact that um, they want to whitewash it and downplay it and make it seem like it was some kind of economic um, uh, exchange, you know, of labor um, and slaves enjoyed it and masters were, you know, um, God-loving, God-fearing, you know, people just trying to do the best they could, you know, that that's played out that that's not true it's never been true but there is a whole generation of white southern and black unfortunately southern kids who have been raised on these narratives because the udc the united daughters of the confederacy spent a century and a half making sure textbooks instructed kids in that manner. And we're going back there now. So that is again why I'm excited about this holiday too, Mark, because every time we have an opportunity to celebrate our existence, our contributions, we need to beat our drums and yell and scream and shout it. Because the minute we're quiet, they will cover it up. And when it's covered up after so many generations, it's gone. It's gone. And um, so we need to make sure that it, it, it stays and that um, we just keep adding to the richness of that, uh, that story. And I love what you said early on, um, which is what Dr. Marshall is so fantastic at, storytelling, because that's you know, uh, what really great historians, I think, do. Um, and I also, again, just like, um, to always point out to people, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of people, most of us in here are kind of politically engaged. I mean, we're directly, we're, we're you know, kind of uh, tapped into the political um, news and, and happenings and actively involved. Not everyone is like that and it's okay, but people do need to understand that they need to be aware of what's going on politically in our country because, you know, what is going on politically becomes history tomorrow. And, and, and um, not only from that aspect, but also 
Um, you may not care about some of these fights and things that are going on, but some of these decisions and things that are being um, made are affecting you. You want to know how they're affecting you. And if they're affecting you adversely, you want to be able to have something to say about that and to stop it if you can. That's where civic engagement comes in. So I just love this community because, you know, it is such a group of, um, you know, civically um, engaged and, and informed uh, people from all different backgrounds and areas of expertise. And it's, it's, I feel like it's just kind of a microcosm of our country. That's what America is. And I just feel like um, we will be a better America, like our experiment will be more perfected when every citizen takes ownership of their part in maintaining and holding up you know, the fabrics of our democracy. So thank you so much, Mark. It was beautiful. I, I loved um, everything that you shared. So, so timely. So thank you so very much. And I'm looking forward next to Renee, who I know will be uh, just as inspiring and informative and then Ngozi and uh, extend the invite to anyone else uh, out there listening. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, please share, retweet the space, and if you're so inclined to come up and join in the conversation, don't be shy. Request the mic. So, Renee, how are you today? Hey, happy Juneteenth, everybody. <laughs> um, I hope everybody's doing all right. Uh, I am doing all right, even though I had to kind of curse a few folks out earlier today, but um, <laughs> I got up early out here today. battling in these Twitter streets. Are you? Well, people are crazy. So I got up early today, and I um I uh I saw the Washington Post article because I followed Joyce Vance, and I saw she retweeted it, and you know Mark and I and I have actually gone back and forth and argued with several people about Garland's pace, um, and have just kind of really come into an understanding over some time about yeah how things could have been handled you know a little more swiftly right so whatever and so I've been kind of coming into an understanding of that okay whatever but we're still moving forward and it's fine so read this this article and. You always have to take this stuff with a grain of salt because you always have to consider the source and where it's coming from and all of that other good stuff. But I just think that when you when you really play out the timeline of the article, even given into given, you know, the uh, the timing of his appointment, the timing of the the, the attorney general's uh, the, the other appointment. Um, when Trump was first notified that he needed to return the documents and like when they went in and raided him. And then the fact that the FBI was like completely still running, like dripping with Trump folks. And some of them didn't even want to go get the documents when they were, when they had actually finally decided to go get it. You cannot argue that the pace could not have been faster. Now that doesn't fall on one man at one man's feet. That doesn't fall solely on Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland probably should not have picked up the tone from Sherwin when, you know, because Sherwin kind of set that pace and they kind of squashed, you know, certain levels of the investigation. That does that doesn't all fall on Garland. So the people that are on the timeline that are losing their minds right now calling for him to step down. It's just like, how many times are you all going to do this? You know, every time there's some little detail that you don't like, whether it's true or not, they just go crazy. But the timeline to me now 
is kind of indisputable. And it's not just to point out that, okay, yeah, could have gone faster is not, <laughs> that is not an indictment against Garland. It is not saying that he was negligent in doing his job, even if it could have been done faster. It's not saying that he should be removed. It's not even saying that I personally have lost confidence in him or in the DOJ's ability to get the job done. So I want to make that clear first and foremost, because, you know, I read the article and I was just like, well, I have defended him in the past. So not that I won't still defend him moving forward, but, you know, I was wrong about the pace. Like, I can't really this is, you know, if you put if you just put the calendar together, it doesn't matter who wrote the piece. If the dates are correct, then this is what it is. So let me go ahead and let me just kind of talk about this for a bit. And while I'm writing this post, this um crazy battle axe who I don't even talk to anymore on the timeline tags me in a thread to say hey you were one of the people who was completely 100% wrong and you need to apologize and get to it and so I'm like what <laughs> yes so I'm like hold up so I sent her my the first part of my I'm working on a thread right now Number one. Number two, where do you get off demanding an apology from me? Number three, how often do you apologize publicly when you've been wrong about an opinion? And number four, let me unfollow you. Like, why are you still, this is somebody who, you know, years ago she was a Kamala supporter and we used to talk on the timeline all the time, but then she kind of stopped engaging with me. And see, this is, this is one thing, and I want to point this out, this has nothing to do with anything but me, because I, I have a small gripe to pick with the community, not the community, not the people in this room, but our, our little K-Hive community at large, okay? I'm going to be real honest about and be raw right now. Um, and I'm going to toot my own horn a bit. I, I am very thoughtful with the things that I bring to this community. I have brought spaces that have been extremely thoughtful and I have worked very hard at that. And I don't appreciate the lack of, it's not about praising me, but I don't get, you know, people, people take, when you're thoughtful on that level, people take it for granted a lot and you all don't get it, but it actually does hurt my feelings sometimes. It hurts my feelings when I'm thoughtful about shit and I don't get I don't get credit for that. I don't get noted for that or things that I've worked work hard to put together. You all loop me in and give my credit part of my credit to someone else. And it's just like, what what is that about? Again, I am a very thoughtful person, so it, it really does trip me up. You know, and it's like there are people out here. I don't have a platform. I have a I have a Twitter account. I'm not an expert. I am an opinion maker. I share opinions. There are people out here with platforms that have built platforms that have been blatantly and boldly wrong about a ton of shit. And you all will stand for them even when they are wrong and when they are rude about it. But I try to be thoughtful and say, hey, you know, I actually tripped up here. Let me let me explain. And I still get flack. What the fuck is that? That is so off to me. But it's cool because this is Twitter and people, you know, people like to, to hang on to bandwagons. But I don't appreciate that. I'm going to keep being who I am. I'm going to keep being thoughtful. None of y'all are going to stop me from being that. But I just wanted to point that out since we always up in here big up in each other and talk about how much we love each other and all that other good stuff. I love y'all. But sometimes that's why I dip from this place because I don't feel, I don't always feel supported in that. And that's never going to change my heart, but I need y'all to hear me on today. Since it's Juneteenth that we celebrating the truth and honesty 
and freedom and liberty. I need to be free enough to say to y'all, like sometimes that hurts my feelings. And it's not cool because I make a point to try to see everybody in this community and to honor you all's contributions. And I do not feel that reciprocated. It does not always come back to me, but I know that it's going to come back to me in the world, even if it doesn't come back from the direct people that I've given it to. So that's okay. That's life. I'm not the only person that feels that way in this community, I'm sure. So hopefully by me saying that other people feel like feel seen. I don't know because it can't just be me. And it's not, it's not even that it's malicious. There are people who like, you know, just, you, you know, you just don't think, you just don't think about it. It's not like somebody's after you, but this was a case where this, <laughs> this heifer was after me. This woman had been following me. She's like, I muted you two years ago. Well, why are you still following me? You muted me two years ago, but you're, you, you've been seeing all of my tweets about Merrick Garland and I don't even really tweet about him that much. Like, so help me understand and, and it, like I said, I've been thoughtful. I have been talking about this situation in a way where I'm like, I understand people, people's frustrations. What I don't understand are people saying nothing is happening because things are happening. So it just, like I said, it just really pisses me off that I can be I thoughtful enough to be that careful and people still come at you. But whatever, you you know, she's a hater. I don't even know what her, her deal is. Clearly, she's a hater because who sits back and who wakes up Juneteenth on the morning? Like, who hasn't spoken? This woman has not spoken to me in years and says that and demands an apology and all of this. Other. Like, that's just crazy to me. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's like, it's the, the part of the mood that's on this app. You know, it's like, yeah, if you, if you come at me cross, I'm going to get you told. I, I don't care. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I'm going to get you together, but I don't need help in owning where I've made an error because I'm going to gather myself before you could have, before you can wake up good, honey, before you get the crust out of your eyes, I'm going to already have, have handled my own business. So, you know, I think we need to be kinder to each other. We need to, we need to be more respectful to, to each other. We need to honor one another's contributions more. We do a good job of it, but we need to do a better job. So that, that's, that's a side. That's, that's, I, I cried that out. I ain't even a plan on crying, <laughs> on crying, but like, I, that just really like, that. Just I'm really so sorry that, yeah, I feel you go ahead. I'm so it's sorry. Feeling some kind of I, way, so I can whatever. tell and I hate that, but you know, these people exist, yeah. you know, they do and it's okay it's it's cool but whatever but that said back to the stupid article um and I just tweeted you know Mark and I have we've gone back and forth on this and he read the article and he was like man I'm actually a little more understanding of you know of Garland's position because of the timing and like everything that happened all of the appointments that had to be put into place and you know uh, everything that was going on with the FBI and with the Trump appointment I mean they they had a lot to clean up Bill Barr was <laughs> Bill Barr was a damn chaos agent and okay? and and that's so why I cannot stomach seeing him being paraded on any yes. platform trying to speak to this. Or hear them yes. talk about weaponizing the government. Okay. Yes. Yes. Wait, but, wait, wait, right. And, but, and, wait, and, and I but, said, I don't think you should have apologized because, we were, you know, there's gray areas in this whole thing. And you were right. And I just wanted things to move faster. Wanting things to move faster doesn't mean you're right. So I was like, I had your back, man. Like, you, you were right on point. Especially after this article, knowing what he had to go through. 
you had to get to the bar appointments, right? Right. And all this other stuff. You, you're not. You're not wrong. I just. I. I well, just not, remember well, that I, Atlantic article, and I just. I read that article over and over again. I knew this man was methodical. I knew he was, I didn't know what he was doing, but I knew he was taking care of the business that needed to be taken care of. He was doing step one before he moved to step two. He didn't care what the people out here in these streets were yelling. And I just rest assured with his experience, A, that Biden appointed him. But then I started looking at his resume and his history and how he worked. And I just trusted him to do his job which I feel like is what he's done. Well, he, and he's, he's done it from, from jump and he's still doing it. And that, that to point out the, the I pointed out one very specific thing uh, that I was wrong on, and I may not have even spoken on it before, but I pointed out one thing, but that doesn't mean, and this is what I, I literally just tweeted this. It doesn't mean we lose our confidence in the progress that we've made. It doesn't mean that we lose our confidence. You lose your confidence in somebody because they may have made one error. That is like crazy to me. He's not perfect. And, and when stuff like this happens, that's when I know that, that the person that I was defending, I wasn't expecting to be perfect, but you all were. Do you see what I'm saying? Because exactly. I can and take the error and people. go, okay, yeah. this one, yeah, this one thing could have gone differently and probably should have, but we move forward. We only look back to see, okay, what what could have gone better? So we don't repeat the same mistakes moving ahead. And I think for me, it's like the the point, the point that sticks out to me and my disappointment with him specifically because I don't you know the FBI folks all those other folks that I have I, you know the Trump people I have like no expectations in but with Garland it's just like I don't care how slow you move as long as you move and it was disappointing to me to learn that the appearances and that the optics kind of played a bit of a factor in them not wanting to move forward. He, he made a, a statement to the kind of likened to you know we've got to move forward we've got to restore confidence and we need to move forward. And, and at some point, you know, you couldn't even mention Trump's name, you know, because and I get that. I understand that. But you we we should have learned that lesson already. And so to me, it's like that that part is that is a that's a lapse in in judgment. And that's just my opinion of it, because. Again, I don't care how slow he moves. I know how meticulous he is. I studied up on, on Garland's cases and, and stuff, you know, like probably about a year ago, you know, because I was like, well, let me let me make sure I fully understand who he is, you know, um, as a prosecutor, who he is, who he may be as um, attorney general. But it's just that one point of appearances, because I I have very close, I have a very close relationship with people who, you know, have suppressed things or have held back on accountability out of the sake of appearances. And that part of it to me has no place. If you want to hold back on it because, you know, you want to take your time because of the legal process and because you want to make sure that when you, when you nail that ass, that it's truly nailed, got you. I'm, I'm 10 tones down for that. But the appearances part, the optics part, I'm never going to be a fan. I'm never going to be for that. And that's really the only part that I pointed out. So it's not even about, to me, right or wrong, good or bad, whatever, um, because there's so many layers to this piece. And again, have to take it with a grain of salt because we don't know how much of it is true. But I just, I, I guess I just ultimately resent that this, this, you know, this app and it's Twitter, but it's like, I've had some great conversations on this app. So I, I resent the part of the faction of this app that doesn't allow for us to have 
always have kind of like nuanced debates in these certain situations where if you just immediately, if you're saying like, hey, this part could have been done better or here, people are immediately going to jump to a conclusion. And that's not how I operate. That's not how I think. You know, I don't, I'm usually very forgiving with people unless unless I think you're a demon then you know then that's different but otherwise I am I'm kind of more understanding and me kind of working out what you may have done in a situation is me really trying to understand why you made that call and if I ultimately don't agree with it then I don't agree with it but it's not the end of the world and so the people on the like I said people are calling for his re- resignation I mean do something Twitter is going crazy and as soon as I read it I was like oh god they're gonna take this and run with it You know what I mean? I was like, but let me comment on it and whatever. I think that we need to, like I said, since we're talking community and all that stuff, I think that we all need to, um, we, if we could continue to throw the word unprecedented around, I have said before that everybody has the right to process this moment in history, the way that they process it. And we all have to try to continue to be uh, patient with each other as we move about. We have our fun, we take our digs, all that good stuff. And hey, that's fine to do. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> but we do have to continue to be patient as well, because at the end of the day, even the people that are yelling, you know, for the most part, they still want justice too. Everybody wants this dude and his accomplices to to be taken down. We all actually do want that. You know what I mean? Except for some of the folks, you know, with agendas who are just trying to piss people exactly. off. But like for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, the regular folks like you and the I, normies. <laughs> Right. We do, we all actually do want accountability. And so, uh, you know, I think we have to to try to remember that because we're in the thick of it. But at the end of the day, Garland appointed Jack Smith. It's one of the it's one of the most crucial things that I think in his tenure as as attorney general, he is going to be remembered for that appointment. And Jack Smith is going to be remembered for that appointment because he was like, yo, handle this and it's not just that he appointed a special counsel jack smith is a very specific type of prosecutor okay i laugh whenever i think about him because i'm just like the irony is rich 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 because well he's a prosecutor from the hague (laughs) right so that was a very that's what i'm saying that was a very very thoughtful appointment he wasn't just like i just need somebody to look into this he he knows jack jack smith is known he's well respected he is known for being relentless he knew exactly uh why he wanted him on this and so that can't be overlooked you know it's like all right this we really do have to get on this this guy's like still up to no good we really do have to get on this i know Not my name i need my bulldog exactly and so you know like i said we look back so that we don't repeat the same mistakes ahead but we have two indictments of a former president and before him there were none and we got two indi- we got two indictments within months of each other so unprecedented on top of unprecedented and we're and we're not done yet because he got another one coming i honestly at this point i thought Fonnie was going to be next she may still be but jack may be ready to go sooner sooner than some of us thought i mean i know that the case that he's putting together for january 6th is 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 uh really complicated from what i understand but there are things are starting to kind of heat up a little bit. Uh, we're starting to get little drops there. So I, I'm trying, I've got my eye on it. So this is a lot in, in a short amount of time. You, th- you figure, like I said before, 
Jack Smith, it took him like seven months to to kind of bring all of this about. It's pretty extraordinary, and he is his his team is amazing. So I just you know, and the DOJ is doing a lot of other things. Okay, you know, in all over to, the country. Just, <laughs> yeah, all over. So you know, I just I really wish that people would you know take a minute take a beat but this is twitter so no one's gonna take a beat whatever i thank you d for allowing me to say say that it's i didn't even want to come in here and say i'll live with you because it's juneteenth you know you want to celebrate the holiday um and all that good stuff and i still am yeah but know, i'm glad you have, have a moment, a, a, but... an opportunity to come and get that off your chest uh, because it, i needed to. yes i really need and i'm to. glad that you you felt safe enough here to be able to to come and do that because you do uh, so much work for this community. And I feel you, I've been there before, you know, when you're pouring your heart out and you are, you are very thoughtful and don't let anyone ever make you feel otherwise. Um, but you're human <laughs> like Mary Garland and Jack and everyone else, self included. We're human. But we are human beings here trying to make a difference, you know, and people should be given grace for that, you know. Um, so I just thank you for the work that you um, have done and that I know you will continue to do. I know you're going to shake this off and move on. And sometimes we just have to, you know, express it, let it out and keep going because I know that that you understand you know, where to put that encounter and, and, and move on uh, because we have bigger and better fresh fish to fry. <laughs> so um, for sure. And thank you again. And thanks for everything that you do and everybody in this room, you know, thanks for listening to me rants and thanks for all of the work that you all do and the ways that you all could contribute to this community. I, I see all of it always. I try to note it wherever possible and it's no love lost and like I said you know she was she was an outlier so it really doesn't matter but <laughs> but it did trigger something else that I kind of have been wanting to say and I just I do speak and I advocate for other people when it comes to you know to making sure that they're seen and so today I today I advocated for myself so anyway thanks D I'm gonna go back to listener everybody have a good rest of your holiday and a good uh, rest of your week well, thank you so much for coming up and and sharing with us and I hope that the rest of your day is wonderful and um you know you always have a, a place um uh, in this space and in this community uh, to um, express yourself. And we certainly support you and the work that you do. And I uh, appreciate you so much. And um, if I don't say it often, uh, I just want you to know, even when it's not said, that we recognize it and it's important. Um, and it is, um, it has and is making a difference. Um, so um, just shake it off and keep going. I know you are, but we love you and um, know that you are, are, are doing what needs to be done. So thank you and uh, keep being great. <laughs> All right. So up next we have um, Ngazi and then Dr. Marshall. And um, again, like I said, I, I uh, interviewed Dr. Marshall back in March and we talked about um, her work as a genealogist and um, her collection. And we talked about 
uh, marriage, um, the history of marriage. So I'm so glad that she is uh, well and um, her account is restored uh, so that she can come and share with us today. So I feel blessed. Um, so thank you so much for being here. And up next, we've got Ngazi and then uh, Dr. Marshall. Good afternoon, everybody. Can y'all hear me? Okay? Yes, ma'am. How are you? Are you off today? Yes. Oh, so my job happy actually had Juneteenth. <laughs> yes, happy Juneteenth, everybody. Uh, my job had Juneteenth actually as a floating holiday, and then they made it a permanent one um, when, it, when it became a national holiday. So interesting, in my opinion. Um, I do have some comments on Juneteenth I wanted to make before I wanted my other comments. I love this holiday. I did not grow up learning about it. Um, so I feel like I learned about it when everybody else was learning about it. But it strikes me as an incredibly American holiday because, like, I feel like America is the only country where we make holidays to celebrate freedom. Like, it's freedom is so important to who we are as a country that we're we're looking for ways to make holidays about freedom. So, like, we get to celebrate July 4th, which is the freedom from Britain, and then Juneteenth, which is another episode of freedom. And then all of our military holidays to celebrate the men and women who fight for our freedom. So I love it. It's so American and it makes me feel super patriotic. Um, so I'm excited that we have this uh, I love how you now. describe that. Another episode <laughs> of freedom. And, and it's so true. Beautiful. Keep going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, for everyone who's like, why do we have this holiday? It's an American holiday. We love celebrating freedom here. So um, on my comments, I did want to comment on the article for the Washington Post. I wasn't originally going to say anything. And then I saw Renee's post about it. And then so I decided to come in and share about it. Um, I will say this to Renee's face. I don't see why you're apologizing. I read the article. I read, I haven't finished it all of the way. I will admit, but the parts that I have read so far, I don't see anything in there that would contradict where we are now. Um, we want to argue about timing. Sure. But you're always going to be able to argue that something could have started sooner than later, but on Monday morning after the game is over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They're building this plane of how to prosecute a former president as they're flying it. There is no playbook for this. There's no rules to follow. So they're trying to rebuild the DOJ after Trump's administration and, Bill, and Will Barr um, ruined it on top of an incredible, unprecedented prosecution. They are writing the playbook for this as they're doing it. So we can argue about they should have started sooner, later, whatever, but what would have changed? We would have still got a special counsel. We would have still had him taking down the documents. Like, I just don't really see how what the Washington Post has reported so far changes where we are. We still would have had the Jan 6 investigations on Congress. Like, that, that I think, also was really important. I'm waiting to see um, how that plays a factor, which there are things about this investigation that we will not know for years to come. And what concerns me about the article, the framing of the article itself, is it's trying to portray the prosecutors who wanted to go right for Trump as the heroes of the story. But it doesn't, these things don't line up for me. As somebody, what I'm, the word I'm not seeing in this article is the word professional or professionalism. The DOJ is an institution that will survive before Trump and it existed after, like before Trump and it'll exist after Trump. And it just seems as though we are 
in a situation in which everybody wants to blow up the playbook because Trump exists, as if nothing before Trump existed and as if nothing after him will exist. So you're telling these people, these prosecutors who are career professionals, to sacrifice their licenses, their reputations, their careers, because you think Trump did, a, did something you don't have any evidence of because you want to silence your critics online. That's, un, that's really dangerous. I'm not a lawyer, but I do hold a professional license. And oftentimes we make decisions in a crisis where I've called four or five people before I've made any decision. And a lot of my decisions are life or death. So I'm reading this article. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like y'all were in a room trying to figure out what we're going to do. And everyone's bringing their arguments to the table and you're weighing the pros and cons. You could have gone for Trump first. And if you did not have all of your evidence after the GOP has worked the refs as much as they have, you've now lost all of your leverage to make this um, prosecution stick and to count. So I don't mind y'all being a bit more cautious and working your way up because you only get one shot at this. You're also laying the blueprint for how to do it next time. So you do need to be more careful. And so like, Renee, when you were posting about it before, that's how I always saw it was you had done your research, you understood like certain things about it and about Mary Garland that you were just like hedging your bets and not willing to blow up everything to make a stance on Twitter. And now people are demanding, well, what you should have been willing to blow up the playbook too. No, you made decisions that were in alignment with your values. So I'm, I don't see why you were apologizing. You had an opinion and you're allowed to make it. Um, that said, I would caution everybody to actually read the article and ask yourself, put our, liter put our media literacy hats back on. Who is this article for? What are they trying to communicate? And why did they write this article? Because ultimately I just feel as though regardless of the timing and all of that stuff, we would still be here. So what are you trying to prove by saying, well, they argued about whether they go to for Trump first. Okay, I have a lot of discussions with my colleagues about what we should be doing first. Ultimately, what matters is the decision we made. You don't need to know what was in the notebooks. So I just wanted to add that. And I unfortunately cannot stay. Um, I have to get my day started. But I want to encourage people to read the article for yourself before you make a gent decision of the do somethings were right. And uh, happy Juneteenth. Enjoy celebrating another episode of Freedom in America. Aw, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you took a few moments out of your day to come in and join us and share that. And I think you are, are absolutely right. And I just love your description of another episode of Freedom. I may steal it. <laughs> and uh, forgive me if I don't um, attribute it to you every time I use it, but I love it. Uh, because it is. And that's what, you know, our whole life has been like in this country is episodes of freedom. Um, you know, um, we fight and, you know, um, that's one season. And, you know, we win a battle. Uh, we win a war and, and we just continue. The struggle is long. And I hope the rest of your day is beautiful and bright. And um, thank you again for just you know, coming in to share with us and great advice, like with everything. First, before we start commenting, let's read. Let's know what we're talking about, you know, and then uh, form an opinion and not just pile on to stuff because it's trending or it's popular 
um, on Twitter. Um, and again, you know, kind of one of the things that I try to reinforce here is being informed. And that doesn't mean just retweeting somebody or piling on and, and listening to the people that you like or whatever. And that is that includes, you know, legacy media and other things, because uh, sometimes I find good articles in, um, you know, organization, media organizations that I don't particularly like, but if they've got the facts there and it represents uh, what I'm trying to, you know, put across, I will use it. And, and I loved how you said um, you asked the questions, you know, why was it written at this time? Who is it written for? And sure, uh, I like to think that um, there are conversations being had about important decisions being made and that no one is just saying, this is what I think and this is what we're going to do, especially um, with something so unprecedented in our country. So um, kudos to you. Um, wonderful contributions to the conversation as always. And thank you again for coming. And I know not, uh, Dr. Marshall is here. Um, if you will, um, I'm going to um, give you, uh, uh, if you will, I want to get uh, Mark and Shauna because I think that they probably wanted to comment a little bit on Renee and Ngazi. And then we're going to move into um, your um, aspect of um, history um, in our conversation and this holiday. And I know it will tie into some of the other things that we've already spoken about. So I'm uh, going to go with Shauna and then Mark. Thanks for letting me come back up. Um, I just wanted to say real quick in uh, regards to this article this morning, um, yeah, it's a little um, disturbing kind of uh, what was read. Um, I ultimately agree that I think we'd still be sort of in the same place, but um, you can't really argue with dates. So, and I think this was kind of made aware with the whole documents thing with Trump. Uh, there, there's no excuse with the um, with him get, being given so much time to get the documents back. This was a matter of national security. And I just, that's not, I, I don't think that's refutable. Um, but keep in mind that that was also not yeah. totally on the DOJ because it started, the action yeah. started with NARA. NARA was giving, trying to give him preference as president in preserving our, um, you know, our records, you know, uh, that should be put in there. And it was NARA that turned it over to the DOJ. So I, in, in my understanding of the process, I feel like mm -hmm. NARA was handling it and DOJ was letting them handle it. And NARA uh, elevated it to the DOJ when they could no longer um, you know, they knew that they were no getting nowhere. They shouldn't have let it go on for as long as they did. Yeah, but I, th yeah, there was definitely that was that was a problem there because yeah. I just but, that but was NARA, again. These but were, keep in mind that NARA is an archival organization. They're not legal. You know what I'm saying? And they were dealing with something yeah. unprecedented. So there are lots of layers of nuance to this. So it's not all on the DOJ. I mean, that would have been kind of overreaching for them to step in and say, hey, yeah, yeah, you want me to send a subpoena? You want us to, to get a issue a search warrant? You know? Yeah, but in a, in a matter of national security, I mean, when do they, when when would they get involved? Well, I mean, first of all, like, I mean, that's a question because I don't know. I mean, in a matter of national security, wouldn't they, 
do, do they know that these were I documents mean, this is, that this were... This is a problem that we've had in our country from the beginning. Let's uh, go back to, you know, 9-11. We have a lot of organizations that are involved in our national security. And even though they've gotten better as far as um, working together, um, it's there's still levels of separation, just like the separations of, you know, power in our government. So, you know, not being in it, but understanding NARA, because I used to be an archivist, um, understanding how they were operating. I'm sure it is something that they had never seen before. How do you handle this? You know, um, and you want to give the previous commander in chief, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Now, should he have been given the benefit of the doubt for a year? Probably not. But, you know, have you ever had a president act like this before? So I'm just saying there are lots of, you know, yeah. layers, you know, and it's not. Yeah, because all... I'm just kind of wondering, like, at, at what point does a matter of national security kind of sit that long in the, in the but balance? Who makes you know, that call? Someone... Who makes that call? And right. Who knew? You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, um, we can all do our Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking or whatever. But again, um, like I said, I know he is just a man. He puts his pants on one leg at a time, like all the men in America. But Garland is very capable um, of, you know, doing the job that he was hired to do. And I think he's doing a, a great job. And it may not be, um, you know, to our liking as far as speed and whatever, but he's the one with the expertise. And, you know, I trust him. The man has never had any of his decisions, you know, um, appeal, you know, uh, any appeals to right, so. right that's the concern yeah that's the concern that i had the whole january 6th thing i knew that was gonna always take time and um i always know that was gonna be a harder case to prosecute but the records thing seemed like an open and shut thing yeah once it was it was determined that it was you know classified top security information that he had that he was refusing to give so i knew that they would be able to prosecute that much quicker than january 6th so everyone that's complaining that that nothing's happened with that yet, that's going to take forever. I mean, for to, to make him responsible for that, I, I mean, there's levels upon levels of that. So I knew that that would take forever. But right. Because, because that's thing, how conspiracies just, work. You have to tie all right, of that together. The records thing, I just felt like, I mean, just the, the time frame taking to actually, you know, um, get go to Mar-a-Lago to get the document just seemed like a very long time but thank you for explaining the the NARA thing but I still I just I don't know I ultimately you know it is what it is I just felt like a lot of time lapsed um be between um uh him refusing to give the documents back and um them being uh taken from him but you know I I don't work there but um I, I still think the investigation uh I mean he has been indicted, at least finally on that. And January 6th, um, I said this a few days ago in me and Carla's face, that's going to take a long time to, to at least to, to prosecute him for something. He was he was not there physically at the you know thing. And I mean, as far as the planning is concerned, who knows? I, I, I don't know. But that will take a long time to to maybe uh, prove that he had any responsibility in the, in the direct planning of it. So, yeah, we shall see. Yeah. And, and that's all we can do is you know, wait and see, you know, because none of us have any ability to do anything about this. So uh, thank you so much for coming up and sharing thank you. Um, 
that? And I think those are legitimate questions and, and conversations to be had. But ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know, Merrick Garland and Jack are in control and we can have whatever opinions that we want about it. But at uh, the same um, at the end of the day, um, we are left with uh, seeing what they do. You know, um, so thank you again so much, Sean. I appreciate it. And then up next, we've got Mark and then Dr. Marshall and Khalil. And I'm so glad that you've come up to join us as well, Khalil. Well, thank you, Dee. And I have to come to the defense of Renee because, you know, I know that uh, we start off the day and I have to because y'all are my, and I, I do the same thing for you, Dee, Shauna. And Shana, also, Shauna, let me tell you, over the weekend, I've been following you. You've been you've been like cooking and booking, man. Let me tell you, you've been like cooking these fools. Uh, so I, I'm I'm reading your posts and I'm I'm loving it. Uh, coming after these these folks um, on the same line I am. Uh, but like uh, Renee, no, no, you don't you don't have to apologize because uh, the article was pretty in. It was pretty engaging into like the. Uh, and let me let me flesh it out a little bit more. Merrick Garland, it took him a while. It was 2021 before he became attorney general. We have charges in 2022, like a little over a year later with regard to documents. In 2023, we're in the uh, we're in the prosecution stage of it. That's not so far apart from the way criminal cases go. But you have to remember, and I need to remind people, and even, even though I wanted stuff to move faster because I knew exactly what he was facing, but Merrick Garland has never been a leader in the Department of Justice like he was the Attorney General. So like he had to get his own team in and get them, get them appointed. Joe Biden didn't do the same thing Trump did, appoint like temporary people. Well, a couple he did, but like it, it, he, did, he tried to do it the right way. We, we do it the right way. And he had to get a whole team in to, because remember, Merrick started with Trump people in the Department of Justice and U.S. Attorney's Office. He didn't start with his own people. And got some there. <laughs> and they're still there. Like, because they, they swore, they're like, oh, are we going to be fair? Like, you know, like, but at the same time, though, he had to get his own people. And I, I you know, I really let, I really read the article. I was trying to, um, I think, I think Chip actually posted it first and I read it. Because she was talking about do do do, um, do something, people, and I was like, let me read this article. It's a long ass article to read; like, it's not like short. So, I suggest you read it in sections if you're interested. But I I do think that you know I, I honestly think and I never posted anything like this, but I, I, I'm here on Advocacy Arena, and when D was in democracy first, I did what last year. I was like, hey man, he needs to be moving with a little bit more trepidation, not not trepidation, but a little bit more cadence. Um, and less trepidation. Like I, I need him to move. I need to see like you know activity. Remember, I've always talked to you guys about you know when I know something's about to happen, you see activity, right? When we knew Jack Smith was about to come with an indictment, we saw activity. Like we kept on getting these leaks, and they got worse and worse. Now they're really bad, and we're going to see less leaks now because things are actually happening. We see with Fannie Willis. Man, the, her whole security team or the Fulton County security team was in Miami to see how they did the security there to prepare for what they're about to do next month. That's imminent. That means imminent. It's coming. Fanny's coming. And whatever Letitia James said about the New York cases has nothing to do with Fanny because she said she's like, she, she doesn't have any plans to delay. 
uh, the administrative administration of justice against everybody she's about to indict. So, um, you know, I understand, like, you know, there's people that wanted him to move faster, like me, that wanted him to be cautious, like most of us, because we want him to be right. We don't want him to be wrong. And that's okay. Um, so all these positions are okay. So that's why I said it was a gray area. Uh, number one, number two, I really do want to emphasize because I, you know, I'm, I'm like literally in these comments, these arguments. I really do want to emphasize that Juneteenth is not. It, while it's while Juneteenth is a Black American experience, experiential holiday in America, it really is a celebration of America in the Black experience. I don't want to like you know. I know there's like a. I know it seems like it's a lot. But it really isn't. If you think about civil rights and the law, when it comes to all people and how we've come about it, it's what we don't learn in school that we need to be learning in school. The reason why we're even having this discussion where I have to discern and say, hey, this is an American experience. It's part of what makes us a great country, perhaps the greatest country on earth right now, because Russia doesn't have Juneteenth. Neither does China, and neither does Brazil, and neither does the UK. Well, maybe somebody correct me on the UK. Ali, correct me on France. I'm not sure, <laughs> but we're, we're we're pretty unique when we have this. Brazil definitely has a holiday. I'm sorry, <laughs> Brazil celebrates. Yes, indeed. They have an end of slavery uh, celebration in Brazil. Yeah, and there was no civil war. It was declared by the Portuguese king, who had moved permanently to Brazil by that time. And, and yeah. The reason why I mentioned Brazil and Europe is because Brazil, South America, and Europe got the most slaves. America exactly. got the least. America got the least. Exactly. Transatlantic but, slavery. So, what? Uh, what but it what is I'm, to celebrate. <laughs> okay, I, you know, I, I, I want to. Well, that's that's a good point. I'm glad you made that point. I just want to emphasize in America, though, the chattel slavery system, when people like say, hey, man, if Africans had slavery, I'm like, it's not even like what it was like. It, I mean, if you study slavery history throughout centuries, had chattel slavery is something that stood out as like something that's like very desperate with regard to America and the Americas. Right, it wasn't like it. the property aspect was something different than what was being uh, imposed before. So you know, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear about that history, Ali. I didn't know. And that white was... Europeans. It's the story of fuck. Excuse me, white Europeans. Sorry, but it is the story of Europe. Excuse well, me. And, well, and tri well, triangular trade. Like Portugal made the boats, right? That went down to to West Africa, picked up the slaves. Went to the Caribbean. They either went South America or they went North America. Then they went back to Europe, and triangular trade. That's how. Um, that's that's what occurred. And so when we talk about this type of slavery, when we talk about Juneteenth, we're talking about the American the American experience of escaping. Well, transatlantic slavery had ended in eighteen what oh eight I think. Uh, it's supposed to end, end, end in 1805, but I think it was enacted in 1808. So we, we're talking about, what, 56 years later that slavery ended in America, for sure. And then Reconstruction period starts, 
and then we see a, a, a bounce by all people that were in America, and then white supremacy takes its place. And I think, and the reason why I, I got back on D is because I want to call, I want to call, um, I want to make it a point that in, throughout our American history, even if, even if it didn't involve black people, every time there's an advance on civil rights, especially though when it involved black people, there was a fight against it, especially when it involved black people. There's always been grievance politics when it comes to rights, especially when it involved black people. Every time there was an advance, white grievance occurred to stop that advance. We're in the midst of a grievance period now. And this, this is nothing exceptional. And, I'm a, and Renee is going to like, she's going to slap me. This is not remarkable in our American experience. It's something that happens all the time when we're about to make big jumps. What are we about to make big jumps on? I don't know. But I remember telling y'all, I said, I think the Supreme Court, I told y'all like well, a few months ago, I said, I think the Supreme Court is at the limit of what they can do as a Supreme Court and still hold on to their conservative principles of just upholding the law and not being an activist judiciary. I told you that, D. I told you that, Renee. Khalil, I damn sure told you that. I told Dr. Marshall, I told y'all. And look what's starting to happen now. Now that, you know, when it comes to voting rights, they can't go. Right. We'll see, when it co- we'll see when it comes to gun rights. We'll see what they do. There's a domestic violence gun rights case that, that the government is appealing from Louisiana, from the um, Fifth Circuit. And we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do with that. And I predict they're going to slam that down. They're going to be like, no, the government has a, uh, a compelling state interest that's narrowly tailored. If you're convicted of domestic violence because domestic violence offenders are killing their uh, significant others at such a rate, the government has a compelling state interest to stop. I think we're going to see a taming of this Supreme Court. We're going to see, you know, the chief justice, all of a sudden he's going to seem like he's like really voting with Kataji Brown. And I, I just want to end with this. I really do think, and I, I told you, I, you know, I believe in God. I really do think Kadaji Brown Jackson is God sent. I really do think we would, I know for a fact, we wouldn't have got that voting rights opinion. And I know that, I know that Professor Murray and other people, they think that they're like, hey, it's just status quo. But you know what? We ain't been status quo for a minute. We've been losing rights. Over the last eight years, we lost hella rights. Over the last, actually, over the last 20 years, going back to Shelby County, think about what's been happening with the Supreme Court. Once we get a Republican president, think about what's been happening. Like, you know, now we know, though. I mean, I think about this. If President Obama had, knew what he knew now, back then, you think he would have nominated Merrick Garland? No, he would have nominated a Katanji Brown Jackson so that if they opposed her, there would have been significant consequences for 2016. Opposing a woman. He should have he nominated a woman. But, like, that's like, you know, what about isms? And that's like, should have. I mean, but look what he was dealing with, though, right? I don't, I don't fault President Obama, like, and I, you know, I, I love Barack. I've loved Barack since, man, I met him in 2006. Um, and I always thought he was like a, a great dude. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he made a bad decision. I think he was trying to make a good decision and like 
it came back to bite him in the ass. And we got the three justices that we would have. We'd have had a 5-4 Supreme Court anyway, even if he got grown on that. I'm just saying this. Everything we do now means something, not only constitutionally, but with regard to our very lives and our livelihood. So as, as D always says, the good trouble issue is about us always being engaged, always voting, always voting forward, always looking forward, always saying, hey, democracy first, democracy advocacy, promoting our democratic republic for our interests. Because you can see what the other interests are. They're not about that. They're just about power. It's just about power for them to do what they want to do in the white supremacy sphere. And that sphere doesn't work for us. It just doesn't. And it doesn't work for America. It really doesn't anymore. It did. That's why they want to make America great for them again. It doesn't anymore. So anyway, thank you, D. I, I mean, I appreciate you. Because this, this is, very, I, you know, I, I know I get excited for June for different things, but Juneteenth is my best. No, I know. And I love that you're passionate about these things. And, and we all have our areas that we are passionate about. And I feel like when we do tap into those areas of passion that uh, we ignite um passion in others and and certainly if we you know don't ignite the same level of passion i feel that um it it shows a um a level of authenticity that people can relate to and tap into and lean into so i love it and you know you know you never have to apologize for that because that is what i try to tap into with every single person that i encounter in our community i look to find people's passions. We don't all have to love the same thing, but I think that we are all great warriors for democracy. We all have um, a lot of varied talents that we can contribute. And I think that they all matter and that they are important. (laughs) So, you know, you certainly, and, and, and during times like this, when we have so many things going on in our legal system, um, your talents are certainly needed and appreciated. So I love that you come and share so freely and that you are passionate about it. You just don't speak to it, but it is part of who you are. Like I am about, you know, democracy and, and certain other things, it, it, you know, because it, it, it matters to me. I, I am patriotic just, you know, at my core. So there are certain things that ring with me and that upset me and that touch me, that anger me, that, that give me joy. And I love it when, you know, you can bring those things together to help inspire other people to engage them and to inform them. And I feel like we're all just better human beings um, for it. So uh, I love you much, man. Thank you so much. And, you know, um, you you made some just some excellent points. And like we can all feel the way that we feel about um, Garland and, and what he's doing and the decisions that, you know, he's making. But I, I love that what you said too about you know you can feel the um the change um moving through the supreme court and that you attribute a lot of that to katanji brown and i feel like many times in our history that people like katanji um come on the scene um you know and our god god sent to um give us what we need at that time as was 
Thurgood Marshall um, for that moment in time, for that episode of freedom um, in our history. So I, I, I agree so much with uh, much of what you're saying, and I, I really appreciate you. So thank you much. And up next, we've got Dr. Marshall, and I'm so glad that she is here and feeling good. Um, and I'm looking forward to her sharing with us. And then Khalil, and if there's anyone else in the listening audience who would like to come up and join in the conversation, um, you're welcome. Um, we're going to be ending shortly, if not, but I think it has been a wonderful conversation today. And I thank you all for your contributions, those who have come up and, and shared and spoken and, and just listening, um, because I think um, it's important um, for us to have a listening audience. We can just get on the phone and talk to each other because many of us do. Um, but it, this is about, you know, sharing information with our community at large and hoping that we can, you know, um, inspire people to take that information and, um, you know, continue working with it in their own way to help, you know, push the, you know, um, the um, fight for our democracy uh, forward in, in, in a healthy direction. So I thank all of you for being um, a part of that effort. So Dr. Marshall, thank you for being here with us today. And thank you for um, doing the interview and just sharing your time with me, making me um, smarter about a lot of things. And you're, um, I'm so appreciative of your ability to weave story um, into, you know, history, you know, and, you know, just that uh, personal uh, perspective that you can bring to both of them, tie them in, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So how are you today? Good afternoon, everybody. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I feel as though I am taking the chains off that I've been in Twitter jail. Um, it was extremely shocking to me that someone wanted to replace me. Um, it's, it was quite an experience. And I went through a lot just trying to retrieve my old account as well as creating a new account. And as Dee said much earlier, when Twitter support finally allowed me to make some changes, it appeared from the directions they sent that I needed to create a new account. In retrospect, I think maybe I could have just put in the old account. But be that as it may, I'm happy to be here. Uh, hello to everyone in the space. Thank you for all the passion and energy that I've heard and that you've sent my way. Thank you to everyone who reported my account having been hacked and um, for whatever you did from prayers on bended knee and shining a light in every little corner to try and get the culprit out at least um, now I'm back with an account where I can not only use part of my name, but also my own photo. It's been difficult retrieving and reconnecting with a lot of the people who were following me, but I am going to take notes 
from Mark and Allie and Shauna and Renee and be patient. Now, you might laugh at that because they are so passionate that they might seem impatient, but I think it takes a lot of patience to read all of this political stuff. Uh, I want to call it garbage, but it's not all garbage. And to what it, to the extent that we might think of it as garbage, it's garbage that we need to pick apart and see exactly who's doing the dumping. Uh, Mark is absolutely correct when he says every time Black Americans take a step forward and appear to be about to make two or three more, the white backlash comes and does its best to knock us to our feet. They have not learned that we did not join the Civil War to fight for annihilation. We joined to fight for our freedom, which is what we're still doing. And I don't, I'm going to share my experience of June 19th, but not necessarily as a history of June 19th. One of the things that I am most passionate about is reading. And I think oftentimes we get information and we become too satisfied with hearing someone else tell about the White House or talk about President Biden, Vice President Harris, or the other guy, but not read the information for ourselves. We need to know what the world is thinking. We need to know how other people view us, but we need to also read the original materials such as they are to form opinions of our own and then add those opinions to the big soup bowl. So for me, I can celebrate this day of June 19th and freedom because this is really the first space that I've been able to participate in since my twin, whoever that is or was, it was amazing to me that I reported, someone actually let me know that my account had been hacked. I then reported it, and instead of Twitter dealing with the person who was impersonating me, they locked me out. And I tell you, at some point when I can take my emotions out of it a little bit more, I'll write about some of the feelings that I had and experiences because I did a lot of documentation. It was a very weird experience that I could look at my account, I could see your tweets, but I couldn't respond. And at one point, I was screen shooting a lot of the people so that when I did get the account back, I'd be able to follow. That worked for a while, but then I became very frustrated in not being able to move Twitter forward. I won't go into some other things that helped me along because um, some secrets should just remain that secret. But what I do want to talk about is my experience with June 19th. I 
grew up being told not to say that I was just African-American, but rather that I was both African-American and indigenous. My grandmother's, my great, my great grandfather was 100% Cherokee and Cree. I actually have the documents from the National Archives that indicates that that's who he was. I grew up knowing that, but try to tell someone who doesn't believe that you're human, that you are something beyond what appears in their face. So as a Black American, and looking like a Black American, to say or check on a census form or any other kind of form, uh, early on you had three basic choices, white or Caucasian, African American or Negro or colored, and uh, they didn't use the word indigenous, they used Native American. Eventually they added other boxes and at some point none of these. And if you check none of these, then there were other questions that you might be confronted with. When I think of June 19th, I think of the stories that my grandmother, my grandparents, my grandaunts told me about their childhood. I was fortunate enough, I am fortunate enough to have photos of my family that date back to the 1850s. Not just fortunate enough to have them, but to know a lot about who these pictures are of because my great-grandparents actually documented on the backs of those pictures that could be written on who people were. In the family Bible, they wrote down births, deaths, marriages, and special events. And as a child, they loved the telling the stories of their childhood. I don't know how many of you in this space grew up under to be seen and not heard. And in my house, my grandmother helped raise me along with my grand aunts. I could be seen and not heard. If they heard me, I would be shushed out of the room or asked, what are you looking at? What, what are you doing here? So I made it a point of being as quiet as possible. I listened, and when I was able to start writing, I've been writing since I was six or seven years old. I can remember walking into our dining room and finding my aunt and my grandaunt laughing, and they were holding my diary. I was furious. I was maybe seven or eight years old. I have no memory of what I actually wrote, but I know that when I wrote, whatever I wrote was what I actually felt at that moment, and it's what I thought about whomever I was writing. They were having great fun laughing at whatever was in the diary. When they finally realized I was watching them, they stopped laughing, handed me my diary, and I threw it into the fire. We, I grew up in a two-story 
eight-bedroom home, and there were fireplaces in every room, including the bathroom. And at that moment, the fire was looking really good, and I never wanted anyone to know what I wrote. So my solution at the moment was to throw it into the fire. Of course, they tried to quickly retrieve it, but I made sure I threw it to the back of the fireplace, making it much more difficult. Um, to say that I was punished for it is an understatement, because even though it was mine, as far as they were concerned, I had no right to destroy it. From my standpoint, I had every right to destroy it. So going back to Mark's comments about equal rights under the law for every person, as I was listening, I agree with you, Mark and Shauna, um, Allie, um, Renee, there are a lot of things that you've been speaking about that I haven't had the opportunity to read. I, I definitely will take some time to read the article that you've been referencing on in the Washington Post. But I picked up some phrases. So I think, as Mark said, we're on the precipice of something. What that something is, I don't know. But whatever is happening in America is happening because of black people. When there are major changes, it happens because we have said enough is enough. We're not taking this, whatever the this happens to be. And we do come together. The problem is we don't always stay together. One of the things that really disturbed me as we were approaching June 19th, I started to see a lot of posts that from African Americans, from whites and from quote others, I don't know what their nationalities or ethnicity or race happens to be, but there were a lot of posts where there were people who felt June 19th should only be celebrated in Texas. There were some who thought it shouldn't be celebrated at all. There are others who think that it should only be, it, that whites shouldn't celebrate it. Uh, it is an American holiday. It, African American history is American history. As, as, um, Dean has said and others have said, not just today, but in previous spaces, whether it was advocacy arena or one of the political spaces that Shauna and Renee and Tiff and others have held or Democracy First, we African-Americans, the we descendants, some of us, of chattel slavery, whether it was chattel slavery here in America or in the Caribbean or Brazil, wherever chattel slavery was, although chattel slavery is specific to America, wherever enslavement happens, there's always a white backlash. And as Ali said, when we start to look at white supremacy and racism, it didn't start just here in America. 
we need to look right back to Independence Day, 4th of July. Why were the why were Americans fighting a revolutionary war against England, against Europe, if not for freedom from what they considered restrictions and the inability to function as people free of a whip or the Tory or whatever that was suppressing their ability to work for themselves. So I was taking notes and I would go from, when I look at my family's collection, from the very moment that we closed our home in Georgia and I drove with a friend, almost everything that you see me post with regard to documents or photos or newspapers, I drove from Georgia to New York, and I did that two on two or three trips to bring it by car because I didn't trust that if I shipped it, that it would get to me. I had already experienced a family member deciding to sell some of our belongings, and I have written about going to the antique dealer in Georgia, in Augusta, and just pretending to look around. And what they didn't know was that I had taken manila folded tabs and numbered them, tore them in half. And as I and a friend and I walked through the store, every time I saw a, an article, a piece of furniture, uh, a dish, anything that I knew for sure that came out of our home, the home that I was raised, not just raised in, but I was actually born in the home that my great-grandparents built. I would tag it. And when the antique dealer came over and asked if they could help me, I turned my ring around and I didn't have a Southern accent because I was raised between Georgia and New York. So I never had a really Southern accent and I didn't have a Northern accent. I was somewhere in between. Nevertheless, I would say to them, you know, I'm just looking around and I can't buy anything because my husband would absolutely be furious with me, but I'm taking pictures so that I can send it to him and he can decide which of these items I can buy. What I was really doing was tagging the things that had been illegally sold to the antique dealer. One of the things I would say to everyone in the room, if you and or your family members have items that you want to pass down to your children. Make sure you are specific about who you want to have, whatever it is that you want to pass down. While air property is a great idea, it poses problems if one person in, uh, among the inheritors decides, I'm going to sell 
and don't let the others know about it because that was something that happened in my family. So after I tagged everything, I went from the antique dealer store to the police and I told them that the antique dealer had stolen property, that it belonged to me. I showed them the pictures. Much to my surprise, I really didn't think that they would take me seriously, but they did. They accompanied me back to the antique dealer's store, and I pointed out everything that belonged to me. The antique dealer indicated that, yes, these things did, in fact, come from my home, but that she had paid for them and was able to show receipts. The only way that I could have gotten any of them back would have been for my I had not inherited anything at that point because my mother and other family members older than I were still alive. So they would have had to let, let mm, levy charges against the person who had allowed the antique dealers to come in. That wasn't going to happen. So on the one hand, yes, I was disappointed that I couldn't get certain things back, but I wasn't going to buy them back. Fortunately, 30 years later, I got a letter from a young white woman in Augusta who had actually gone into that antique store and purchased over 150 postcards. So when you see me post some of the postcards from my collection, these postcards came back into the family because this young woman happened to read an article that I wrote and she said she wanted to return the cards. She'd had them about six or seven years, had been researching the family, and was so overcome by the love that was expressed on the postcards. I wrote to her. We managed to have a conversation. And as she's reading the postcards to me, I could actually recite the rest of what the postcard said because I had been seen but not heard as a child. I had been allowed to see the postcards and I had memorized a lot of them and didn't actually know that. But that information and all of that is what brought me to an appreciation of June 19th. It wasn't called June 19th in my childhood, nor in my teenage years, or even when I was in undergraduate school. Um, by the time I heard the term June 19th, I was well into graduate school, but I knew what it meant because I actually had documents from that time period. So the interview that he posted today, I talk about my experience with chattel slavery via my family's documents, the enslaved the period of enslavement, emancipation, the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, Reconstruction, lynching, Jim Crow, segregation, integration, and now we're right back to them wanting to put us back behind the eight ball, the 12 ball, any ball you want to call it, including um, the ball family, which is responsible for holding 
not just the Ball family, but so many other white Southern families still are holding on to documents that rightfully belong to African-American, equally American history. So I love June 19th. I love the opportunity that I now have again to start posting information from the archive. I'm very happy to say that hopefully by the end of July, a newspaper called The Echo that was published in Augusta, Georgia between 1911 and about 1925-27, it's currently being, it's actually finally currently being digitized and hopefully as soon as they let me know they've finished it I will post a link to it the newspaper was a weekly black newspaper that talked about local national and international political educational religious all kinds of events including having a gossip column um it's a wonderful newspaper to let not just African-Americans, but America, it's reinforcing that we were teaching ourselves to read, just as Frederick Douglass was forced to help his white enslaver's son do his homework. He was doing his homework. He was learning to read and teaching himself. He, Frederick Douglass, like many other African Americans or enslaved people, were hiding books under their hats. They were hiding uh, letters, information, the means that they were using to teach themselves to write, even if it was just their name. The focus may have been on learning to read the Bible in the master's eyes, but it wasn't just learning to read the Bible so that we could be Christians. It was learning to read the Bible so that we could write our own passes and say we were going to do something for Massa Joe when, in fact, we were going to head north on the Underground Railroad. All of this is part of Juneteenth for me. All of this is part of American African-American history. It's a part of women's history. It's a part of your history and my history. I choose not to give you a recitation on when Juneteenth started because I posted quite a few articles today about Juneteenth, its origins, and how people are viewing it and the debate that's going on within the community. Even the fact that it took 17 years between when Martin Luther King, the holiday, was proposed and actually uh, voted on. It took another 17 years before every state actually created an MLK Junior Day. In the same way, there are still 20 states that don't recognize Juneteenth. How many more years, even though it is now a federal holiday, how many more years before all states will recognize it? 
I was again uh, surprised this morning because I became curious as to if there's a federal holiday that maybe Mark be, might be able to speak to this to some extent. I was curious as to if there's a federal holiday, why doesn't every state actually not only recognize it, but allow its citizens to celebrate it? Well, state doesn't have to if it doesn't want to. And so there are legis there is legislation pending in several states to make Juneteenth not only a federal holiday, but a state holiday. Then there is the issue of if you have Juneteenth off or any federal holiday, do you get paid for it? Is it the employer's decision as to whether you get paid, how much you get paid? I also learned that of the 12, now 12 federal holidays, states can choose to only celebrate six if they want to. Some states may celebrate them all. But um, I, I think I'll stop there. That's my take on Juneteenth. I'm happy to be here again to enjoy this space with all of you and to read your tweets and be able to respond to them, to be myself, to be free. Well, thank you so much. And I really do appreciate you, you know, taking time out of, you know, your schedule to, you know, come your and your day to come and share uh, with us in the way that you do, um, Dr. Marshall. And I always love your unique. Let, let me interrupt for just one minute. I did post a photo of my great aunt Clara Wright and her marriage certificate. I, I'm not looking at it, but I think it's from 1886. But I do have marriage certificates that go back as far as 1867. And it was when the uh, Emancipation Proclamation was passed in 1863, but more specifically, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments in 1865, between 1865 and 1867, that the Freedmen's Bureau issued thousands of um, marriage certificates, both to in formerly enslaved people as well as those who had been free during enslavement, and um, the certificates that I have are from family members who were free, but still they were subjected to the same kinds of violence that enslaved people were. Um, my third great-grandfather was in Virginia and free, he moved to Georgia. I could not understand for the longest why he would move from a slave state to another state just as equally as um, harsh and cruel. I still don't have a definitive answer. I can only speculate that perhaps there were family members there. I know that he owned property in Virginia. Perhaps it was cheaper to buy property in Columbia County, Georgia at that time 
but um, you will be able to see a copy of the marriage certificate on the post that Dee did where she interviewed me for Advocacy Arena. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And I put that um, post, that the your quote tweet of it, which has the the pictures in the postcard, I uh, put it in uh, the Jumbotron, and you guys do. If you have not followed Dr. Marshall's new account, make sure you follow her and um, uh, just, um, you know, read her information because she uh, posts great articles and uh, she's a fantastic storyteller. Um, and I love that she is able to ha- share with us from a historical standpoint in a very unique way and to me a a more relatable way in many respects because she ties this in to her her family history which is also um, American history and her family has a lot of rich um, connections to some very prominent figures in our African-American history and um, lots of conversations for her to, for her and I to have and for you guys to get to know. And hopefully we can share some of that because, you know, she has um, personal connections to Malcolm X and, and, and many others. So um, I just love when she does take the time out and come in and share with us. I think it's a very important uh, perspective for us to have. So thank you so much again, and please take an opportunity to listen to the interview and share. And we're going to have continued conversations about it because we were talking about marriage, um, you know, in light of um, the assault on all of our rights. And certainly with Roe, they were, you know, talking about coming after loving and some others. So we cannot, even when we fight and win rights, we can't just assume they're one forever. It's a continual work in order to maintain and preserve the rights that we gain. Um, And loving is certainly one that we need to continue to um, be aware of and look at and protect. And I know Mark had said something, he said, I see it. Um, And and it made me think about something in the court and the the change in their direction. Um, I do too. And I think there are many factors. I think the fact that they are being shamed uh, to an extent because um, people are calling um, one in particular out who has clearly some ethics issues, but um, others as well. I do think that that is a factor in it. And then we also have a great senator, uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who has been beating the drums on dark money, and he calls it a capture court. And he's not, you know, when he speaks about it, I love the way that he addresses it because he doesn't, you know, really, he's not attacking them individual. He's attacking the institution because as Mark talked about, you know, he knows this because he, he's a lawyer, um, that the law is based on precedence and what they're doing is very unprecedented and they're not, you know, listening to the voice of the people because it's, you know, things and changes in our history have been moved along because the voices of the people have let the the people in charge of changing these laws and stuff. No, this is where the country is now. 
but they are clearly not listening. They're listening to some very unique voices that have been bought and paid for to be the loudest voices in the room. So I love that Senator Sheldon Whitehouse has a loud voice about this and that, you know, uh, the country at large is starting to see this. And I think that they can be shamed. And if they continue to cross lines, as I believe that Clarence Thomas has certainly done, um, there is something somewhere in our rules of laws uh, to hold them to account. And accountability is very, very important to us continuing to have a healthy, thriving democracy. Because I grew up in the time of Nixon. I watched all of that unfold. He was not held accountable. And here you go. Today, we have Trump. We cannot repeat the same mistake. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there. Thank you again. And I'm going to go to um, Khalil. I thank you guys for your patience and, and waiting to, to speak. I thank all of you who have contributed. I'm going to go to Khalil. And then Q, who I am so uh, glad who has come up um, to join us in conversation today. And if there's no one else, I'm going to let Mark uh, give us a passionate close. And then um, I'm going to uh, close this up. And thank you guys for being here uh, today. Um, what I feel has been a very, very wonderful, uh, fruitful conversation and, you know, enlightening um, to celebrate Juneteenth and to continue to stay informed in our um, democracy episode, <laughs> in this this episode of our democracy. So thank you all again so very much. So Khalil, how are you today? Are you off? <laughs> As a matter of speaking, yes. <laughs> it, one of those things where you... Are, yeah. It was that somebody else yeah. said I'm still sending me. I think it was Mark said I'm still sending emails and stuff. Uh, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're preparing for the next thing. Um, and I have to teach a class tomorrow on, uh, you know, linking the vision and the mission and philosophy to uh, to our work. So and it just fits in with just a uh, just a very stimulating um um, discussion that Renee really brought here. And before I say anything else, I really want to say two things really clearly. I, I am so honored and, and I find it a privilege to be in a room with people such as yourselves. And I just really want to highlight um, the, what Dr. Marshall brings to us every time she speaks. And I really do not want us to not, in any way, I should say to any way, diminish what it's, what we're actually, what's actually happening here. When this, when this incredible woman shares her story, she gives us history that had her voice not be shared with us today, that history would not be, would not add to our understanding of our country's history, not just the black community's history, but our country's history. And as Dr. John Hope Franklin used to say, um, black history is American history. And when she tells us, these, when she shares her stories, tells about her experiences, this is a voice really of the past that's speaking to us right now in the future. And I just really hope we know enough to admire, first of all, her energy to do it, 
you know, her commitment to share it, you know, her following her is a rich source of of history. Um, and it's just so really wonderful to, to have someone like that um, amongst us. And I, I say this again, and I'll say it to anybody that will listen. The fact that we're able to come together like we are from people from Galveston, Texas, to Paris, France, to have these conversations, these open, honest, sometimes provocative, but always insightful discussions. I just hope people understand how incredibly wonderful that is. And, um, you know, it's just great, you know, that we're able to have this opportunity. And I want to praise you, Dee, again, because I don't ever want to miss an opportunity to do it, to for your perseverance in terms of creating a platform for us to do this and have these conversations. Otherwise, we'd be just sitting home or, you know, on our way to a June, June 9th, Juneteenth event, um, maybe. Um, uh, but we would not have, we could go to all of those things and not near, get the, near, nearly the rich experience that we're having talking to each other right now. And I believe that I have references and I got receipts to prove it too. You know, so I just want to thank you all for coming here and, um, you know, taking your time out of your day to to share with us the things that you share with us. And, and, and um, you know, I just don't want to dismiss that or undervalue it. So if nobody else says it, I hope you heard it from me. I think it's important. I think I and thank I, you yeah. for you always do that, Khalil. And I do think it's important. And I love that you take an opportunity to do that. So thank you. I, I you know, it's it's the truth telling that I grew up with, and and I think that um, um, I am a proud, um, you know, uh, descendant of truth tellers, and I'm going to tell it when I can, and you know, and I. But I think that we live in a world now where these kinds of things are so, they happen so frequently, um, you know, that they, kind of, they, they appear passe to a world that, you know, to many generations that have these things, is they expect these things. But those of us who've been around for a little while, you know, um, we look at the, we, we still see the wonder of, you know, you being able to walk around with a telephone in your pocket that's also a computer, you know, that the least thing it the least does is, is, is act as a telephone. Yeah, and you don't have to memorize you know, the numbers like they're locked in. You don't have to remember that. <laughs> right. You know, we grew up, that was our routine. You had to, before you left the house, we grew up, you had to sit down and learn. Mm -hmm. And got the number list on the refrigerator. And, you know, the <laughs> exactly. You know, I was just telling someone in a store recently, she asked me, uh, you know, for some other numbers or something, you know, I was, you know, doing some business and, and she said, could you tell me the other number? And I, I was like, nah, I can't tell you the other number. Now I'm about to look that up. And she started laughing because, you know, that, that's where we all are right now. So I'm just happy to be a part of a generation such as uh, Dr. Marshall's generation that really um, took the, took the, uh, you know, uh, took the responsibility on to continue to tell the stories, um, to continue to 
be forthright in our understanding of how we fit in this in this world and in this country. I should say in this country and in this world. So I'm just really happy to be a part of that. Um, and just that, uh, the, I guess to you know, um, you know, I you know I I, I did, haven't had the chance, uh, Renee, to listen to uh, excuse me to read the article. Um, uh, I wanted to. I'm gonna take the time and sit on my deck, and I think I'm going to listen to it um, uh, via my post account um, and and take it all in. Uh, I did read, you know, the comments and things that were made um, regarding it because that that interests me initially. Why why somebody was actually attacking you? Because I didn't think your comment warranted all of that. But at the same time, as you said, uh, you know, Twitter is an interesting place. Um, so um, I just want to say this, and and, that, and it's appropriate with class I'm teaching tomorrow on purpose. You know, um, I when I came into this this world here, and that's how I see it, uh, of um, Twitter, and then, you know, later spaces. Um, you know, I came in, I, I would not attend, I, I don't do, as many of you know, I don't do uh, social media outside of Twitter. Um, uh, on occasionally TikTok because y'all force me in there. Um, I don't do a lot of social. I don't do social media really. Not because I don't, I hate it or anything, but because I know I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not. Um, I ain't grown enough to operate in some of these platforms with. When you got you know people whose very existence is built around being provocative and saying things and ugly things. I don't, I don't want those people yeah, in my it, life. It's a anyway, different time, Khalil. I, I feel you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, so why bother, you know? But, uh, you know, the thing that, that made this purposeful to me um, was the very thing that, Renee, that you um, are an example of, and that's someone who does share her thoughts and, 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 and her feelings, like truthfully, honestly, genuinely, you know, and openly in an in international forum about important things. And you command my respect, not because you say things um, or just the way you say things, but you command my respect because of the purpose that you bring to each each comment you make. You know, do I agree with you all the time? And probably not, though I can't recall disagreeing with you um, about anything. But, you know, my, my perspective on, on, on this whole, on, on the Trump situation is I've always been ambivalent about him being held accountable any place, anytime, anywhere. So I didn't... You know, I think only one time that I have a moment where I sent out a a, a meme uh, uh, saying something like, I think it says something, excuse the expression, damn it, Garland, do something. I think that's the only, I think I did that maybe about two years ago. And that was when we thought it couldn't get any worse um, uh, dealing with this man. But I've always been ambivalent because I understand 
I think I understand our history. I spent a lot of time studying it. And I believe I'm always, you know, we, we know what institutional racism is. We know what generational racism is. We know what we know what racism is intimately because we experience it every day, even in this day. We're not we still see it. You know, we're still dealing with it. And so um, and we will probably continue to deal with it and you know, do the, the extent of our lifetimes, right? So, um, so I'm not surprised that I, I, the system is designed to allow him um, the the privilege that he's in, he, he's in fact uh, um, uh, had. And I think I mean we all know we know we know we know we know had Obama done one of these things. One of these things, it would have, you know, he'd have been done politically. We'd have dismissed him into the heap of history. But instead, we have a man who has a heap of uh, of, of, of distortions, uh, political, um, legal, um, you know, social distortions, where he's just taken the world and put it. And, you know, created his own little world himself. And, you know, he abide by no rules. He attacks every venerable institution there is in the, when it benefited him. Remember, he was law and order until it wasn't, he wasn't law and order anymore. You know, this is, I don't spend a lot of time respectfully, you know, looking at him for, you know, any kind of, uh, deep understanding of the world because as far as it's concerned the world, everything is about him I, we understood that us New Yorkers understood that you know decades ago who he was who he is so we 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 irresponsibly give him the reins the power and 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 and, and 2016, and he becomes the president of the United States, you know, and a con man, a grifter, a, 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 um, there's another word, another phrase used to have for him, a confidence man, right, becomes the president of the United States. Um, he was never, um, qualified to be in that role, in that position. There was nothing that 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 we could look at and go, why? You know, well, he'll be, he, he was this, so he, he'll do this. He was not a great, he, he is not a great businessman. Contrary to late, the man had a 900 plus million dollar default, a default so tremendously large that it almost caused a failure to banks. But he's a great businessman. You know, he, he wasn't a great family man. The man's got three baby mamas. You know, you know, you know the our first black president couldn't have three baby mamas. He wouldn't have ever been considered for the office. Right? He's not he's not a man of any high moral value. I mean, the man's done everything from grab women inappropriately or touch women inappropriately to sexually assaulting them. In fact, we got we got receipts for that now. He's been he's been found Guilty, guilty of it by a jury of his so-called peers. You know, 
So where is why, why would this man qualify? I mean, he built his his political career on saying that Obama wasn't American. That's what he built his career on. He lied about even that. He said he sent private 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 uh, uh, um, investigators to Hawaii to find out, and and nobody's ever seen the results of that because he never did it. He just lied. He just lied. He lied. If his mouth is moving, he lies. So why do I why do I look to him for any kind of insight as to who he is? I'm I'm more concerned about the people around him who took advantage of his grift. You know, nobody talks about Mnuchin. Mnuchin was the man, one of the men mostly responsible for the housing class, the housing um, failure in the first place. This is a man who had who who bought up all of those failures, made money, made millions of dollars off of it. And guess what? He becomes the Treasury Secretary. Yeah, nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about all the things that he did. I can't think of the name of the guy that was the head of uh, 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 the, old, the old man. I, excuse me. I shouldn't have said it like that. I mean, but you, you look at his, 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 his administration, you see nothing but, you know, big business grifters. You know? Yeah, so what am I... What, those, you know, look, if you want to be, if you're, if you're a grifter, you're, you're number one, you're, the, you know, the, 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 the holy grail is to be able to get your hands on the, the U.S. Treasury, get your hands on Fort Knox. I never forget that get picture of him and his wife up there. It was so, oh my yes. God. <laughs> yes. Yes, I mean, if you're the if you're the grifter, I mean, it's all about making money. It's all about taking advantage of people, right? So, if you're a grifter, you know, the greatest prize is to be president of the United States in the greatest economy in the world. Come on, I mean, the man's richer now than he was when he went in. Remember, he was a billionaire when he went in. That's what we were told. Those of us who paid attention to him know he was not a billionaire, right? So. This is this is the world we're in, and so when I have when I see people like you, Renee, you know, and Shante and Shauna, when I see people obviously like D, you know, when I hear people who are willing to create, corral us, bring us together, and have these open discussions about the world that we live in and the challenges that we face, that's purpose. You provide you you know on the in the evening when I'm free I, I run through that the 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 the, the, the different groups of rooms that are going on and I see Shantae and I'm free I'm gonna listen I'm gonna sit down in that gallery and listen participate if I can if I think I got something to add if I see Renee I'm gonna listen if I see Shauna I'm gonna listen you know of course D you know, um, a lot of times I'm not able to because you guys are doing things always, it appears, not always, but so much when it appears that I'm in the middle of a project or something. So all I can do I is... I know this this time of listen. day is not conducive to everyone. And I, I will try to do some evening ones, but I, I'm pacing myself. <laughs> I understand, especially after that, that, that first year. I mean, it was, you know, we were going, you know, every day, two times a day. So I get it. So I appreciate it. That's why I'm saying this is, I, I have so much respect for your perseverance. I have so much respect for, 
Renee's perseverance and Shantae's perseverance and Shauna's perseverance and, and others who just, you know, they make their way here, you know, to to share, to create an, uh, a platform for us to talk to each other. Um, uh, you know, I, I just I feel like sometimes I'm, 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 I'm talking in a forest because I, I don't know why my perspective feels so unique, but when I, I mean, I believe Renee's in California. I know Shantae's in New York. I know Shauna's in, in, in Texas, right? You know, I know Mark is in Georgia. I know, you know, Dr. Mark's in Louisiana. Mark, he's in Louisiana. Okay, see, so I know Ali is in Paris. You know, I know, I, I would never know any of you if it wasn't for this space, if it wasn't for us these spaces it wasn't for and the perseverance of, of people like Dee and others who have who have made a point of creating these platforms for us. I mean that's real purpose. So I don't you know, so I feel I really feel I was really touched when I heard the emotion in your voice, Renee. Um, because uh, I dare say that most people um, that follow you or listen to you um, have a very contrary opinion than the person that was, as you know, and I think the proper word is attacking you. Uh, and I don't believe in addition by subtraction, so I don't even get the attacking stuff anyway. I mean, the only people I go after are, are those those uh, chaos, misinformation, and disinformation agents. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I and I'll even throw in that little little rednecking because they, right now they seem to be at their they seem to be, they feel like they're at their, their, their height of importance, you know, so I don't, I don't back away from those because those folks are the people that I grew up with um, that um, made the life of my, my forebears so horrible and my own life so horrible, you know, so I'm not, so they, they, they could hit a nerve, you know, um, but I just want us to know and think about how, how great it is to be where we are, doing what we are, talking to each other the way we are, building relationships, I dare say friendships across this medium. Um, and, I, and I also say there are m many of them, perhaps even most of them are authentic, they're genuine, you know, and there are things I've learned from each of you that, you know, I, I talk about it because it's true. I got three notebooks of things that I comments and things that y'all have made that I just wanted to write down and keep. And I use countless, countless comments, countless things I got from you in my classes. Uh, I don't care if, if I'm teaching first, first aid, CPR first aid. I, I tell you, I can find an opportunity to drop it because that's what you do when you're a master trainer. So I am just really thankful for know somebody's trying to call me. I'm, I'm thankful for this Juneteenth. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be with you all on this, on this incredible day. This is the day when the country acknowledged uh, the, the hatefulness of, uh, um, as an entirety uh, of, of, um, of childhood slavery, which as Dr. Marshall said, is a, a very unique form, it's a very American form of slavery. And um, I'm very, very um, 
proud to be sitting here in 2023 and to be a part of the movement that is 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 putting our fingerprints on what uh, on what uh, the future for our kids, for our family, and what this nation is. And I will acknowledge it's not a surprise that, with the exception of Mark, that all the names I just mentioned were women, because I think women are uh, obviously important, but I think black women are the conscious of this country. And in, I believe black women um, are um, have always been the uh, anchors of, of, of our community. So I'm always going to, though I'm not, I've not always known how to listen to them. You know, I'd be, I've learned that in, in a year and a half or whatever here. <laughs> some um, things take time. It's some okay. Things, that's, that's what I was going to say. I, 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 you know, I actually to give me some grace, you know, cause I, but I'm earnestly trying and um, from, you know, you gave me a new being on here with you all also gave me a new way. Uh, a new level of communication with my daughter, even my wife. I mean, these are things that I wasn't party to, you know, although I thought I was pretty enlightened. But sitting here with you all and learning from you all, you know, I'm better for it. I, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I know there are people who love to diss Twitter and all of that and, and, you know, and definitely got its issues, especially under new ownership. But I am definitely one of those proponents strong proponents of what it has brought to our community, what it has done for us as a nation. It is the nation's, if not the world's, town hall, you know, and that's one of the reasons why it's so, becomes so important, and that's why somebody spent $44 billion on it, it's only worth $19 billion. Right, to tear it down, to to basically destroy the town hall uh, for the people, you know. (laughs) Exactly. So Renee's voice, Shante's voice, your voice, Shauna's voice, you know, your voice, you know, um, Allie's voice, all these voices, you know, Mark's voices, our voices are the correction. We are the correction. They may tear it down. He may undermine any way he can. But every time we get together, we're positioning ourselves to make the correction, course correction. So thank you all so much again. Dr. Marshall, I just can't tell you how much I, I love and appreciate your presence amongst us. And uh, I'm really proud to uh, be amongst, you know, those storytellers like you, your generation. You have been such an incredible um, uh, um, uh, stakeholder, and I'm looking for the right word here, you know, uh, tender of the garden, you know, the, the rich history that we are. And, um, you know, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate listening to you, being with you, um, and that with amongst men being amongst all these other folks here. It's really, really, with all due respect to those who think may feel otherwise, very much a blessing to me. Thank you, sister. Thank you, Dee, for creating this space for us and, 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 and standing, standing up for the things that you believe are right. Uh, and creating an atmosphere for us, a platform for us to to tell our stories to. 
Thank well, you. thank you, Khalil. I appreciate you so much. And um, up next, we have got Q. And I do appreciate your patience um, in being here. And I'm looking forward to to hearing from you. And thank you so much, Khalil. I appreciate you um, and all the contributions that you uh, make and agree that this is a wonderful community and a wonderful place, no matter how ugly it can be sometimes. I, I, I see the beauty and the, the, the effectiveness and the usefulness of it. Uh, Otherwise, they wouldn't be trying to attack us so much on it. But go ahead, Q, you're next. Happy Juneteenth, man. <laughs> yes, happy Juneteenth. I am so um, honored, actually, to be able to speak after uh, so many distinguished speakers, uh, speakers um, that I've been listening to. Um, I will be the first to admit that um, a lot of the history that I've been hearing today um, is new to me. And um, I don't think that that is actually all my fault, because we do know that um, history for a long time has been curated uh, to allow us to know what we what they think that we should know. <laughs> so um, this was a very enlightening space um, for me to uh, catch up on some history that um, I may not have been privy to. Every day is a learning experience, and I am extremely grateful um, for the speakers that have come before me. Um, I have followed them so that um, I can see if I can uh, gain any more um, information, or well, I shouldn't say information, any more knowledge um, by following them because they, they're such inspirational figures and they're um, towering beacons of, of hope um, that our next generations will be able to um, learn and succeed in ways that um, will be beneficial to our race as a whole. But with that being said, I had to take a break from Twitter um, for uh, just a second, and I will make this very brief. I will try to um, compile my thoughts and, and feelings into about uh, three to four minutes. I had to take a break from Twitter the other day once Donald Trump had been indicted. And the reason for that is because of what I read in the indictment and then what I also read in subsequent news article, articles um, based on the indictment. And this indictment is very, very serious. And the fact that the Republican Party is um, not actually uh, giving him the Heisman and embracing him and actually talking about um, giving, taking some sort of pardon pledge where they will pardon him, whoever the Republican nominee, if they go on to become president, they will pardon him. All of this stuff is very, very disturbing. And it's disturbing for a lot of reasons because the way that he had this information stored in his home in very unsecure ways could potentially give our adversaries very damaging information on our national security. And I know we always talk about black people and we talk about white people, but this is a very American issue right now, because if we were to fall under attack from any of our adversaries that gleaned some information that they felt would make America vulnerable to their attack, they're not looking at black and white people. They're looking at Americans and we are all in grave danger from what this man has done. I also subsequently uh, read 
a um, news article where it, it, it alleged, I, I will use the word alleged, it alleged that Donald Trump, during his presidency, asked for information on all of our foreign assets. And by what I mean by foreign assets are spies that are embedded in other countries, whether they're allied or adversarial. And soon after he learned this information, they started to be captured and killed. So we must use were alleged, and this is an alleged coincidence, but these things actually did happen. And the fact that the Republican Party is actually not just thinking about, but going full-throated, uh, full-on, all after Donald Trump to put this man back in office says something about the other party. Say it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it says something about the other party. Like uh, they are not American. They are not patriotic. They are not any of those things anymore. If they would be willing to put someone in office who was so derelict in his duty as president, and then on top of that, after he left office, took some of our nation's most sensitive seekers and stored them in ways that they could be uh, potentially uh, used by an adversary. It's just unreal to me. And it makes me want to scream and it makes me want to say things that I potentially shouldn't say on Twitter. It makes me want to curse. It makes me want to go completely ballistic at the fact that the Republican Party is still supporting such a man like that. And it makes me want to know why, like, why are they doing this? I mean, if I, me, just a regular person, I'm not a lawyer. I am not a college professor. I'm not any of those things. I am just a regular citizen of the United States of America that took time out of his day to read the indictment against Donald Trump. And I looked at all of that and saw just how damning that was. And we have all of these members of Congress, some of them who are uh, lawyers, some of them um, who have argued in front of the Supreme Court, all of these things, they know some of them are members of the intelligence committees, all of those. And they read that indictment and they just sit back and say, oh, okay, this is all political. So uh, it, that's why I had to take a break from Twitter, because when I was looking at Twitter, I didn't see the amount of outrage that should be happening in this country. This is not just another Donald Trump scandal. This is something that puts our national security at tremendous risk. Based on what was in that indictment, it showed vulnerabilities of the United States he had in his possession. It contained our nuclear posture, it contained the nuclear postures of our some of our um, allies and adversaries, all of those things that he had in his bathroom, in a ballroom, in his dressing room, all of these things. And no one is seeming to be as outraged as they should. And I'm telling you right now, that made me mad. And I'm still mad about it, but I'm trying to contain myself and um, not get anything, say anything that would get my account uh, deleted or monitored by one of the three-letter agencies. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just seriously mad about it, I'm, and I'm, I'm tired of you. it. I have not been as active, and I'm sure that people have noticed that. And that is 
one of the many reasons why. I'm not here for the foolishness. This man put our national security at risk. It's still at risk. He probably cost the lives of assets. Um, he has probably damaged um, our national security mechanisms uh, for um, ages to come. Methods, all yes, that. because who is going to want to trust us knowing that this is how we handle our secrets that and 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 not to hold him accountable and as you said for the other party to excuse it to try to both sides some it is not the same and i'm just not going to get into yelling matches with idiots um uh, about it but as a veteran i am certainly aware of uh, the danger um that what he did um alleged and unalleged i mean but you know even without these things you know I, as a veteran, while he was in office, was totally appalled by this man. What commander in chief? I mean, you understand that in the military, we have a chain of command. He's at the top. He's our commander in chief. And to call people who lost their lives, who gave their lives freely, losers and suckers, I'm just I just can't. So I, I'm right there with you. I'm sorry. And that's one of those things that I can get very animated and passionate about. So I feel all of what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I, I, I mean, I am so beyond irritated. And I don't even think irritated is the appropriate word. I just don't seem to understand how people are downplaying what is actually happening right now. I mean, we have never had the indictment of a former leader before, ever, in our entire history. And this is now happening. And you have people uh, just like uh, treating this as uh, Donald Trump going out to go get ice cream or uh, Donald Trump going out to uh, go to McDonald's to get a Big Mac. Mishandling they are not treating papers, this. you know, okay. Exactly. Oh, well, he just mishandled a few papers. And I read a news article where somebody said, oh, well, they were copies. So they weren't originals. So we have to make a distinction between that bullshit. Our allies do not. I mean, our adversaries do not make a distinction between copy classified information and original. They see the information for what it is and they will use it for their own gain it, uh, it, it, for their own national security. And these boxes were out there in the ether and no one is doing anything. And the fact that we are trying to hold him accountable for it, people are actually trying to suggest that a part of the country should rise up because we are trying to hold him accountable when you actually ask that part of the country if we are bombed because of what was leaked and that those beautiful boxes that he calls them are you going to sit there and say well yes he should have still done that because this is what we're talking about here we're talking about vulnerabilities of the united states military and he had them just out in the open yeah they don't seem to get it like, this is very, very serious. And even when I post things about it on my Twitter, it still doesn't get the kind of engagement because I really don't think that people really 
truly understand the scope and magnitude of what it, what he actually had in his possession in his home. And hey, I Jim. think that they should really put it out there so that people will understand what we're dealing with. Um, can I jump in here for just a second? I'm so I'm so grateful to have gotten invited. Um, I just want to, my name's Kirsten, and I just, first of all, want to let you know, I'm kind of like an insider from the outside. You guys have been working so hard and done so much work. You don't even see yet that the rotten fruit of white supremacy, corruption, greed, all goes together, which has been used for so long to, to distract people from what's really going on. Thanks to, thanks to Shantizi, thanks to Dee, thanks to all of you. Um, not not flinching and 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 putting the receipts out there in the light people like me that thought i was anti-racist which i didn't have a clue until i started getting yelled at by and finally listened to and i mean i say that with respect and love by black women that were saying like okay you want to do something then you got to get educated and you got to face reality so my point is from 2016 when i woke up and realized Chris, Even like who Kristen, Bernie Sanders really was. Second, I love your yeah. passion, but let me yes. just because um, um, you're going to be next. But I'm I want to make sure Q I'm sorry. has had an opportunity to express. I'm sorry, it. I, I, I just know wanted because to, he sparked I'm a sorry. lot I just of things. To love him. I'm sorry, and, and I'm glad that you were moved to speak. Okay. And I'm going to let you, but I want. I'm it's sorry. Okay. Yeah, thank you, and Q. I'm, so, I'm just giving you a hug because you're just I, making I, me so I excited. I just want to tell you that you're okay. I just want to give him that respect. Sorry, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so glad you joined us, Q. I'm going to give you an opportunity to 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 finish, you know, uh, making your point and your contributions, which have obviously uh, ignited uh, passion in people because, you know, you did it with me. So um, go ahead and, and uh, finish up um, your thoughts and um, then we'll go to uh, Kristen next. And I apologize for that. So I'm just going to lay my plane here. I believe that we should take a different approach to what is happening um, among us. We can't be keyboard warriors anymore. Um, the situation is that serious where we all need to get involved any way we can. Now, I am not going to sit here and be like uh, them and advocate for violence or anything like that, but we do need to get more involved any way that we can. We need to volunteer. We need to support our candidates with our time and with our uh, treasure. We need to support people that will vehemently fight against what is happening now. And unfortunately, outside of a handful of Democrats that we have that are elected, we do not have many people that are willing to call out these types of things, that are willing to go on record as uh, being opposed I mean, not just opposed, but vehemently opposed to Donald Trump and his possible reelection. So this election cycle that is coming up in 2024 is very important. It's not just important just for the presidency. It's important for um, senatorial campaigns, House campaigns and in state house campaigns in the uh, state houses and senates. So I'm imploring everyone who is listening to my voice right now to get directly involved. I am doing so, and I hope you all will too, because this right now, faced with everything that we're seeing, Q 
can only get worse. And if you think it can't get worse, just imagine a wounded animal being reelected back into office with nothing to lose. And you will see just how much worse it can get. And with and, that, and the I fact love my that- Thank you, Q. And I'm glad that those were the last things that you said, because you said a wounded animal. And keep in mind that in part of his stump speech, um, what he is saying is, I am your retribution. Okay, you know, and he's serious about that. So uh, you want to talk about people uh, weaponizing the government. I mean, he already did a pretty good job when he was there, but I think he he had some people and some, um, you know, restraint and, and restrainers. But now he is going to be emboldened and encouraged and, and we will find ourselves um, in an autocracy. And in many places in this country, like I said, we can't lose focus of what's going on, like these um, Republicans who are, are are going out here supporting him, trying to downplay um, what he has done, the damage that he has done to our national security, to our country, to uh, the confidence in our um, election systems, uh, the integrity in, in every aspect of uh, our government, which w- has been done on purpose, and he has not done it alone. So I thank you for your passion. I heed um, your um, advice and your your clarion call to action. And you know that's what I'm about, is about getting people civically engaged. And I'm, I'm trying to get ready uh, to uh, post something here, which um, I got from David Pepper, who um, does a lot of fantastic whiteboards on uh, the dangers of our democracy, you know, our democracy, you know, uh, and how we as individual citizens, because it certainly is our job. And at this point, we have to be the ones um, to hold up the banner and to fight this battle. And he created a um, a PDF that I am going to share. And it's, I think it's a good uh, starting place for individuals to look at uh, just um, as, you know, themselves, what can I do? It's very simple. And as I said, we can't all do everything. We, you know, we're not all professors or teachers, but we are American citizens. We are vested in our democracy. Uh, We should be, um, we should be doing what we can to, uh, steer it in the right direction. And we can. I know oftentimes so many awful things happen and it makes us feel hopeless. It makes us feel like we have no power. That's on purpose. But remember, <laughs> it starts with we, the people, okay? And we are the people. And um, we have to continue to fight. We have to stay engaged uh, and um, aware and as Q has done and many of us have learned to do, um, sometimes this is just one platform. Um, it's a great tool, but it's not the only one. It is not the only place that uh, a, mo- a democracy is being attacked. And this is just, you know, verbally and key- keyboarding. But um, it is a great place for us to have conversation, to strategize, to um 
engage. Uh, and I just thank you all for, you know, being those democracy warriors who are doing that. And thank you, Q, so very much uh, for bringing, um, you know, um, what you did to the conversation today, I think was very needful and very poignant and um, on time. So I can't thank you enough. Appreciate you, man, so much. And happy Juneteenth to you. So um, up next, we've got Kristen and then uh, Dawn, mm -hmm. and then um, we're going to yeah. start to wrap up. I'm going to give uh, Dr. Marshall an opportunity for some last words, and then Mark is going to be my closing speaker today. And it has been a great conversation. Thanks. So go ahead, Kristen. And I'll be brief. Yeah, it's Kirsten. I have a Kirsten. weird name. Kirsten. It's Kirsten. I'm sorry. Kirsten. It's like oh, beer okay. with a K. I, I'm sorry. It's that's my yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I don't see very well, so I'm I'm transposing <laughs> letters. So thank you. No, it looks like Kirsten. Everybody does that. So I'm going to be short and sweet. I was not taken away. In fact, I got excited by Q and by seeing Shantizi here and, and all of you because I just want you to know that you're at we we are all at the finish line about to cross over. Thanks to you. I just want you to know. I know it's tiring. I know it feels frustrating. You're hearing the loud, dumb people that have been kept down because, among other things, this has been a strategy. White supremacy deliberately keeps people dumb and ignorant so that they even, you know, act against their own self-interest. But I believe very strongly that thanks to, and I'm an example, I got educated. I, offline, I can give all of you, I, I actually went to the Supreme Court four times. Larry Tribe behind the scenes told me that, yes, the Constitution was violated but unfortunately it'd be too politically dangerous to challenge. And so we made the argument at the time that the, the, the danger of allowing somebody who was put into office steal that office as opposed to letting the chaos happen before was going to be worse. So we can't go back in time. But my point is it was black women with originally and black men mostly with receipts constantly getting the word out there in spite of all the disinformation, in spite of the fact that mainstream media is terrible. And I don't even watch mainstream media anymore, but I do believe Jack Smith, again, because black women got President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris in office, and I'm not trying to flatter you, I'm trying to reassure you that your work has taken root, okay? Because the Department of Justice, while everyone's complaining about them, has been doing its work and they've got Trump nailed on one simple thing. It doesn't even, you don't even have to prove all the other things that Q, you're right. It's his, his, his motives are the worst, the danger's there. But all we have to prove is that he, you know, took the documents and lied about it or whatever. So my, my point is, you're right. We have to get in the street. We have to vote. But I do, I do not believe Donald Trump is going to be a candidate because I believe that Fannie Willis in Georgia and um, Alvin Braggs in Manhattan and the DOJ are going to have him in jail and the Republicans are gonna be like rats fleeing a sinking ship. So right now, in my opinion, because of all the work that has been led by all of you, all of us do need to get our butts, yes, make sure that we show up to vote because if we all vote, we're gonna win and we're gonna be able to make massive changes. And that's why the rotten fruit's falling from the tree. They're being so ugly because they're losing. They can't win an election fairly. Like I'm, I'm going to leave you guys with this. I don't know if you heard that Kenneth Vivek or whatever today saying that because he cares so much about young people, he wants a constitutional amendment to raise the voting age to 25. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Hello? Right? So my point is, it used to be that we were so dumb, people got away with that. But now we have all of you on here putting the truth out. And once the truth's out, you can't put it back in the bottle. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy, 
but I do think we've, I do think we're at the finish line. And I think if we just keep on grinding that we're going to get through this and we are going to have the, the Congress and the Senate. So I'm just saying, yes, it's scary, but you guys have done most of the hard work is already done. So if you need some of us to pick up the weight, like it's a relay, you know, for a little while and get off Twitter or whatever, I respect that because you've already like created this, this scenario where it's going to be a run to, we're going to like take the ball and run with it. Cause they're going to be fighting each other. The Republicans are taking each other down. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say. I'm just so excited that I got with the right people at the right time. And I'm with, uh, with all the, the people that are going to make a great future and not with the people in the, in the horrible past. So I'm done talking and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I love, you know, the perspective that, that you bring. And like I said, I, I remain hopeful even in, in dark moments like this because of, you know, um, communities like this that um, I am involved in and I see them uh, doing the work. And yes, the danger lies in um, their jig being up um, and some of them um, at like Trump become more dangerous at that point. And, you know, while, you know, I, I trust and believe that we can um, hold on to our democracy, that we can um, make it better. We have much work to do and our uh, focus needs to be on that and not the, um, the kind of cultural war uh, fights and uh, shenanigans and the um, outrage narratives that they try to um, inflame uh, because they're just distractors. They, they want us to be back and forth arguing here on this app and other places about dumb stuff. And uh, they don't want us to be paying attention to um, the work that is being done in GOP trifecta states like mine uh, while, um, you know, um, we're, you know, fighting with people on Twitter, they're passing laws or they are preventing laws from being passed. Like uh, our sorry um, assembly um, is trying to uh, back out of a special session because they didn't have the guts to address gun violence, um, even though we had one of the worst mass shootings in this area occur during, you know, our legislative session. They didn't think it was appropriate to address gun violence, but they felt the need to, you know, um, um, kick three, you know, lawmakers out because they disagreed with them. And, you know, the governor, I felt like for the first time since he's he's been in office, started to grow a little bit of a backbone and said, OK, you don't want to address it now. We're going to have a special session. Well, a little time has passed and he's being, um, you know, kind of um, weakened and and I feel like bullied because that's what they do. And you have to look at, you know, the money who's supporting him and these kinds of things. Um, and um now uh, it looks like we may not be able to address that, but it doesn't mean because we're not uh, able to address it le legislatively, um, the danger still exists. And I am grateful because we have a lot of young people, uh, many uh, student um, type organizations being led to continue to bring um, redress to this. And, and there are coalitions, and that's the importance of this fight um, that we have is because a lot of the work that the uh, other side is doing is designed to divide us, you know, to have us fighting amongst uh, one another over dumb stuff a lot of times, because I think we're, we all win in a democracy. We can, you know, have, um, 
conversations about uh, differencing on other issues and policies in a democracy. But if we don't have a democracy, um, many of our voices, in fact, the majority of them will not matter. Even some of the ones who think that it might work out for them, it will not. They will find out. They will become the Martin Mullers of America. But I don't want us to get there. Um, but thank you again so very much. And up next, we've got Dawn, and I'm so glad she joined us today. How are you enjoying your Juneteenth? Um, now, if it's raining, what's going to do, go to an event later this afternoon, so hopefully it clears up. Uh, happy Juneteenth, everyone. I just uh, felt compelled to speak for just a moment. Um, I'm taking the summer off, so just wanted to say hello to everyone. Um, uh, Q, uh, we hear your cries, and that's a lot of what this collective and here in this room that everyone is doing. Um, some of us who, you know, worked in um, any type of intelligence field um, understand that uh, when when Trump was saying this come to my southern White House, they knew what that meant. Those documents that were dropped, that wasn't even meant just for the American people just to see. We know the levels and sensitivities of different clearances. And it's not to say uh, that we're not paying attention to it. We don't need to know. Uh, everything is on a need to know basis. Uh, when it comes from the presidency, vice presidency, uh, to the Speaker of the House and so forth, and even our, um, you know, it, it's a need-to-know basis. We know it's bad. Uh, we're going to hold him accountable. But what we're doing right now and in, in getting excited about the fact that he is being held accountable is what counterintelligence agencies, our three-letter indicators need. They need that right now. They need us to be happy about that and focus on this election. Because while they're doing, while we're doing this and putting this out here in, in the atmosphere and say, you know, we're going to fight for this and fight like hell for this, they are still uh, making the pathway clearer. One less thing is one checkbox off. We, that's why you sleep safe and warm at night. You need to know that something's being done. And sometimes it requires America to have the illusion uh, that things are getting better because they have something else that they're working on. And so I just wanted to put that out there to you that um, I, and what Kirsten said was just so positive. Uh, that's where they need you to be right now to keep fighting like hell or keep going out there, because right now they're still doing the work of trying to dissect everything. We may never know what's in those documents. And that's quite all right. Uh, we don't need to know. Uh, we can look at what happened at the G7, how we have new members now. Uh, a lot of people just let that go to the wayside. No one really amplified the fact that Biden was over there. We've lost two, you know, two other countries we once had before. Uh, but that's okay. Maybe it wasn't meant to be amplified. We, they are aware. And so we can put it out there and try to find what's in those documents. And we don't, don't. Right now, it's just, it, we all should just focus on the election while everyone else stays safe and warm. I just want to put that out there. Sometimes it's okay to give people the illusion. That's what our country needs right now, that we're still doing what we need to do. Just want to put that out there. Thank you so very much. And I'm glad you said that because having been in the military, having worked in archival um, material, classified material, um, I do uh, understand the public's desire to know, but I also know um, the importance of 
um, everyone not knowing um, everything that is um, going on. Um, you know, we don't want to uh, show our battle plans uh, to people, even though, you know, it's quite possible that our uh, the former guy, our commander in chief, has shown some of them. But I thought it was um, funny. I think about that clip of uh, Biden, uh, President Biden and, and Ducci, uh, uh, that uh, reporter asking him something about um what will you do? And um, he told, you know, we take care of it. Well, how will you take care of it? And it was basically like, I felt like he, he was asking him, you know, what's the plan? Give me eight, one, two, and three. And it's like, dumb, dumb. You know, generals don't, you know, pass their war plans out or post them on social media. Um, so thank you, Dawn. Um, thank all of you uh, so very much for your wonderful contributions today. Um, and with that, I am going to offer Dr. Marshall an opportunity to have some last words if she would like. And again, encourage you guys to listen to the second interview with her. It's wonderful. And then um, give Mark uh, an opportunity to um, close and I'll wrap us up. And I just want to thank you guys for being here today, sharing, help to celebrate Juneteenth, but keeping us um, aware and informed of the other things that are going on, because we have to have our head on a swivel right now. Um, and um, also, um, you know, the importance of people when they see the need to um, to take some time away uh, from some of this to be able to come back and, and fight another day and to be refreshed and renewed. Um, the struggle is long. Um, We're 17 months away. And as I said, uh, it's a marathon. I'm pacing myself. Um, and we're going to just continue slow and steady. Uh, we know what's at stake. So I, I just want to thank you all for that. And Dr. Marshall, uh, did you have anything that you would like to uh, add uh, to the conversation here today before we close? Oh, not really. I'd just like to say it's been a great space. I've enjoyed listening to everyone. I would simply say that in addition to supporting one another, that we make sure that we watch our backs. It's, uh, I'm still a little bit in shock that someone <laughs> wanted to imitate me and in a very negative way. So Q, I appreciate your having taken some time away from Twitter. Better that you take it yourself than being forced to take it. But while I was away, I was still able to read tweets that each of you and others were putting out. And I have a totally different perspective on Twitter and maybe on some of the people that used to follow me or I used to follow. Either way, I wish you all a great rest of the day. Enjoy Juneteenth, but let the Juneteenth be 365 and 366 when that one leap year comes. Have a great rest of your day. Beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. Um, and next up, we've got Mark. Oh, man, Dr. Marshall, it's, it's a pleasure hearing your voice. And, and thank you for your questions sometimes when they aren't, aren't here. And I try my best to answer all your questions. Thank you, Dee, for having this space on such a remarkable day. It's, a, it's such a pivotal day, like you said, 
um, in American history. And it's a crucial day to understand America as a black person and as a, uh, a person whose rights are being challenged in America. And if you care about uh, vulnerable people's rights being challenged in America, um, why Juneteenth is important, uh, these are just some things you need to know. And I'm going to be specifically talking about the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Um, so why is Juneteenth important as, as a Black American and also as well as a, an American experience? And I, I know it's it's confrontational and some of my cousins and some of my friends have like been in my DMs and like, this is about Black people. And I'm like, you're right, it is about Black people. I'm not, two things can be the same or can be true at the same time. But let's break it down. And like, like I always try to do. And I'm not, I, I'm going to teach a little bit, but I'm also going to be like very, you know, um, I'm going to advocate a little bit too because I want it to be an American experience. I don't want it just to be a black experience because black history is just not about black people. It's about American people. We're Americans. That's specifically what Juneteenth means. It means this is the last day. On June 18, 1865, they weren't the same category of Americans that they were on June 19, 1865. So what happened right after that, right? Right after General Gordon Granger went down to Galveston, Texas and posted General Order Number 3 on that church, right after that in December 1865, the 13th Amendment to the Constitution was ratified that officially abolished slavery and involuntary servitude. If you're not in jail, by the way, that's still... There's still a struggle. Just letting y'all know that it, it it's not a hundred percent abolishment. If you're not in jail, it's an abolishment. But it's a reminder: the Thirteenth Amendment in December 1865 ratification is a reminder of the ongoing struggle for equality and triumph over our dark chapter in American history. It's the darkest chapter of American history. Slavery is. It's a stain on the words that they enacted in 1760, 1776. All men weren't created equal. All persons were not equal in America back then. Now, I understand that we didn't learn all this stuff in our history classes because they didn't teach it. But we learned it through other ways. Whether we went to HBCUs, I'm going to break it all down. Whether we went to you know, schools that, you know, did teach it, or whether we learn from our parents, like, you know, my mother bought, you know, the, the Black Encyclopedia, Ebony Black Encyclopedia, I learned this stuff. The 14th Amendment, and I'm going to tell you this right now, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments are the most important amendments when it comes to Black people in our existence in America. Civil rights and the 14th Amendment, ratified in 1868, three years after Juneteenth grants citizenship to all individuals born or naturalized in the United States and gave equal protection under the law to all of them. Now, this is very significant for Black people because it highlights our, number one, our continued struggle, again, for civil rights and equality. You're going to hear me say that over and over again. But it also means that not just African Americans, but 
all full citizens of the United States have these same constitutional rights. It's also a reminder of the ongoing fight against systemic racism and the pursuit of justice for all Americans, regardless of their racial or ethnic background. You'll see this in every fourth. This is still in cases that we fight today. As a matter of fact, the Voting Rights Act that we talked about um, not only pertains to the 15th Amendment, but it pertains to the 14th Amendment too, with regard to what Ketanji Ketanji Brown Jackson was talking about. Even her arguments about her understanding being a textualist, because if you're a constitutional textualist, you recognize that the notes behind the 14th and the 15th Amendment, which I'm about to talk about right now, are in regards to it being racially conscious, not racially colorblind, meaning these acts were specifically enacted to make sure that Black people were given the full participation and citizenship of every single other American, regardless of racial background. 15th Amendment, that's where we get our voting rights from. It was ratified in 1870. I think that uh, the last time we saw uh, Joe Biden give his um, his his um, State of the Union speech, we saw a couple of Black um, um, legislators wearing the 1870 patch. It was ratified in 1870. It prohibited the denial of voting rights based upon race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Why did they enact this? Because it was being denied. Everything that happens in America with regard to civil rights is because of the advancement of Black people in civil society in America. Let me repeat that. Everything that has happened and that does happen in American civil rights is because of the advancement of Black people to become more equal. It's almost like our position in America is right in line in parallel to the position of America trying to be the more perfect union that it wants to be. It's regards the position of Black Americans. And all those rights fall through that. It comes with other people. We don't compete with these rights. It comes with that. There's no, there's no fight over civil rights. The idea that we have a human right precursor in the words that establish our union, that makes us 100% a part of everyone else, 100% is something that is different than any other country on this earth. So the Black American experience and the American experience with regard to Juneteenth, it symbolizes, again, the struggle for voting rights and political participation of Black people. While it it aims at protecting the voting rights of African-Americans, but it, it also protects against voter suppression against all Americans. So Juneteenth, when it comes to the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, with regard to the participation in our political process, our social existence, and our, like, our livelihood and our lives, lives and livelihood, social existence, and political participation, Juneteenth serves as a reminder for the ongoing fight for equitable access to the ballot, um, our need for, for to protect and expand voting rights for all Americans, and also it's a celebration. 
it's a celebration too. Let me not, let me not, I don't want to preach down. Let me preach up. It's a celebration of the progress that we've made. We've made a lot of progress. This is not like a condemnation on America. It's saying, yes, we've made some progress. And, you know, but for Clarence Thomas, um, we have, we've ensured equal representation. And, but it's a call to continue working towards more inclusive democracy, a more inclusive democratic republic. And to close out, to close out, in spite of Clarence Thomas, in spite of Neil Gorsuch, in spite of Samuel Alito, we have a, a Ketanji Brown Jackson majority, a 5-4 majority that looks at the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment and emphasizes the, mean, the, the themes of emancipation, first of all. Emancipation is what today is about. Full emancipation of every American whether it's whether it actually really I mean I, I can't account for every single instance, but today represents the full emancipation systemically of every American from the uh, from the grapples of of chattel slavery. It represents civil rights and voting rights within the Black American experience, but within the Black American experience, we it's a representation of the full American experience on a broader level as it pertains to Americanism. So this holiday, I, I treat it as a celebration, not only to Juneteenth, but also to this, the celebration of our, our post-slavery um, amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which with regard to any lawsuit, that is a civil rights lawsuit, whether you're white or black, whether you're a man or woman, if you've been discriminated against in America, you will pull upon these amendments, which calls upon the black American experience to give you equal rights, equal treatments under the law. And all of this is towards, as I close the Kirsten, Alley, Dr. Marshall, Don, Khalil, Renee, Anna Lee, everybody see Shauna. It calls upon not our achievement as America, but our pursuit of social justice, equity, and the fulfillment of the promise of equal rights for all individuals, regardless of their weight or their race, their ethnicity, or who they want to love and how they want to be. And if you don't believe in that, then you don't believe in America. Thank y'all. Thank you, Mark. Um, so eloquent um, and so timely um, and uh, so factual. It's just um, I, what... Apologize. Um, what we needed at this time... Sorry, guys, I'm having some phone issues here. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, it, it was just so timely. And I feel like everyone uh, brought such great information to this space and, and the passion 
um, and the conversation, the information. And I just feel um, so uh, blessed and grateful to be able to celebrate this momentous holiday with a community such as this. Um, and to also to be in constant conversation and community with you in this continuing, ongoing fight for our democracy. Because as Mark has given you this um, historical perspective from, you know, the, the civil rights that we gained, um, you know, like during the reconstructions and, and how even though we were given those rights, uh, how, you know, a, a century later, we were marching and, and fighting still to have those rights realized. And we're still doing it today. It is constant. Um, and, you know, that is why I read these words that I do from John Lewis. And I'm, I'm not going to um, keep you guys here long, but I just want to thank you all for joining us uh, in this conversation today, for those of you who participated and shared and contributed, and to those of you who were listening, whether you were here for a short time, the whole time, um, it's important. And I just want you to know I'm humbled um, by your support. I feel that um, it is important for us to, to come together to have these conversations, not always agree, but to have the conversations, to agree to disagree, to ask questions, to just be better informed and engaged citizens. And as I said before, I will be posting on my timeline, I'll put it in this thread, but for right now, I'm trying to multitask and I can't get um, the um, little PDF that I was trying to share with you. But um, the one that I have from uh, David Pepper is about engaging voters and us using our own influence. And um, I will put it on my timeline. I hope you will uh, share it and use it because it's very simple. Um, and I think it's very, um, it can be very impactful. It, it can get you to look at um, how you can use your voice. And in part, that's what I do when I have these conversations here. It's not about me. Um, it is about you. It is about all of us. It is about amplifying the voices um, that are speaking to the issues of the day and um, those that are actively working um, in their initiatives uh, when needed, where needed to um make some noise and, and to do some things that we need to do. And look at here, we have a Johnny come lately. I'm going to give him one. I'm going to give you an opportunity, Dr. Mike, because you don't come that often. So I was about to close up, but you sailed in here. It's so sweet. I love it. So uh, before I read my closing thoughts, I'm going to give Dr. Mike an opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? And happy Juneteenth. Yes, happy Juneteenth. Um, I, was, I was about to share something Um with everybody in the Jumbotron here. Uh, let me get it for you guys real quick. Um, here we go. Perfect, okay. Um, this is coming from uh, John Hope Bryant. You know, he's the, the chairman of uh, Operation Hope, um, which helps to, you know, repair our communities via financial literacy, improving our credit score, and getting people to own property. Um, looks like Operation Hope, they launched something called the 1865 Project. And the 1865 Project is going to utilize Operation Hope's financial coaching model to connect the public and private sectors as well as to underserved communities. 
So I think it's a very good resource. You know, while everybody is talking about reparations, you know, this is an actual thing that is reparative in nature. You know, uh, like I said, I'm all for reparations, but to me, what reparations look like is reparative action. You know, reparative actions and th concrete things that we could do now as a community versus waiting for some pie in the sky check, they ain't never going to come. But the reality is, you know, these guys are just ops. They're GOP ops because um, majority of them, great majority of them can't even name who their state rep is or the state senators or the city council. They don't know nothing about the civics process, how things work. So when you have somebody who doesn't know shit about that process talking boldly about how they want this, this, and that, to me, smells like an op. Walks like an op, pots like an op, that's an op. And so I just ignore these people because they have nothing to offer um, other than GOP talking points, you know. So um, so I put that in the Jumbotron for everybody to enjoy. Thank you so very much for doing that. And I can't wait to, you know, take a look at that. And I agree with you totally. Um, that is to me what reparations um, look like, as you said, you know, waiting and holding their breath for, you know, a check or whatever. Right. But, like um, it's, it's restoring. Exactly. Yeah. Repairing. Just like concrete things do right now, you know, get that credit score up so you can buy a property, you know, that you can flip it or hold it, keep it in your family, pass on to your kids and whatnot, you know. Or like the fight that our uh, African-American farmers are having um, here um, in my state because, you know, um, the Blue uh, City uh, Ford is moving in here and they're trying to um, basically take their land through uh, eminent domain. So um, these, yes, yes. Um, and those are so, super uh, tough battles to fight. I ain't gonna lie. They really are. But this, you know, like I can relate to it because it's here in my state, but I know that it's going on across this country um, and uh, land is um, is very valuable and they know that. And sometimes when we gain it and we think that, you know, we've achieved and we've moved, um, then things like this come along. So um, that's a conversation for another day. But I thank you for sharing um, the um, Hope Project work. And I, I look forward to kind of delving into that and following it. Yeah, no, it's very valuable. I listened to a lot of his videos. I got his book, The Memo. Um, I even gifted his book the memo to like, you know, people for their graduation or for, I've even gave my office staff one Christmas. I bought all my office uh, staff a copy of the memo. You know, it's a great book to read. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Like I said, uh, this community is just such a wealth of information and um, of we could go on for, you we could go me. on. Thank you. And, and you as well. And don't be a stranger. I'm glad that you were able to pop in here. Like I said, I know that I have, you know, my my Monday spaces and everyone's not able to come, but I appreciate it when you do. And sometimes that's why I have it on the holidays, because I know some of you are off and you can swing in and I get to hear your fabulous voices. Yeah, but I, had, I had to work today. So, um, so well, I sick, know the doc, the sick, doctor's sick, life. Sick people, sick people uh, don't take Juneteenth off either. So. I remember I worked for a doctor. So a lot of times uh, we didn't get all those holidays either. So I, I get it. And my mom was a nurse. So again, I am truly grateful that, you know, you took a little time out of your day, especially uh, when you, you worked as well to come and share with us. And um, I do hope in the coming month, uh, especially this summer to have some more afternoon uh, evening spaces where 
um, more people will be able to, you know, their schedules will, you know, permit them to come again. Dawn and I have talking about some things, you know, we had our little um, advocacy arena game night and we'll be doing something else. So, you know, we will have other conversations. And of course, there's so many other people in this community um, that have spaces. And I want to, you know, take a moment just to thank them for all the wonderful work that they do. I know uh, Renee, who is here and who shared with us, Tiff's not here today, but, you know, she often has spaces and Mark um, has them too. Of course, Shantae, um, Carla and um, um, Shauna, and um, there are just great spaces being held with opportunity for us to support, chime in, and share. And I want us to continue doing that because um, it is important that we understand. I, I appreciate you bringing that, Dr. Mike, that these are ops and um, to know. Um, what they are and, and what their purpose is and for us to continue being focused uh, um, on the work at hand and not let the um, ops distract us. So I exactly I, I, I would even go so far as to say that be careful of the entire uh, what I would call the black manosphere from Tommy Sotomayor on down. I think those guys are ops as well. Part of the whole GOP op to influence black men to vote for Republican Party. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to have to have a space one night where we can, you know, like I said, delve, delve into this a bit more because they're absolutely um, uh, targeted um, members of our community. And, and I know this because, you know, I've read this and some of it, you know, they they pick different issues and um, religion is going to be one of those issues. And it's going to have to be a conversation that we have because they are targeting um black community members because they can reach them um, in areas like religion and, and some, some conservative issues that they may find common ground on. Um, and we need to make sure that we're paying attention to, uh, to their efforts so that we don't have members of our community fall prey to the okie doke because at the end of the day, they are still pushing their white supremacy agenda. And they will disguise it and package it however they need to to continue pushing it. Right. And what's so funny about it is like, you know, thank God for the digital age that we live in, because, you know, when you see something that is so blatantly obvious, what I call unequal smoke, I use my my smoke test. When you have all the smoke for one thing, but zero smoke for another thing that's just as harmful, that smells like an op. That's a good, yes, absolutely. You got to pass a smoke test. That's a good test. <laughs> I like that, Dr. Mike. You're always so insightful, and I appreciate you so much. And I'm just going to leave you all with, um, um, you know, wishes for a fabulous uh, rest of the afternoon. And if you are attending or have attended uh, Juneteenth celebrations, um, you know, just um, soak it up. Um, if you're going, um, enjoy um, and um, be careful out there. Keep your head on a swivel and um, just keep being great, everyone, and uh, hopeful. And I hope that these words that I read uh, to close out my spaces keep you hopeful because sometimes we have a lot of things going on and it can be discouraging. But I want us to remain hopeful. So I read the words of the late, great Representative John Lewis um, to hopefully um, fill you with the kind of hope that it fills me with. Because um, 
He um, was an icon in the civil rights struggle. He um, walked the talk. And um, so that's why I quote him. And here they are. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I feel like when we come together, we make a lot of noise. We get in good trouble. We go out here in this Twitter sphere, in these Twitter streets, um, and we make noise and good trouble. Uh, we fight the ops and the disinformation and the misinformation. And that is all part of us being the great democracy warriors um, that we are, that we have to be. Uh, because it truly is um, the fight of our lives uh, for our democracy. And I just, um, I'm honored to be in it with you guys. And I want to leave you all with peace and blessings for an absolutely fantastic rest of your day and a wonderful week ahead. Um, stay safe and be well, everyone.